Welcome back to the Alternate Shot Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Matt. Matt, it is the one-year U.S. Open Megapod Anniversary Edition. We've been doing this for one year. Pretty cool. Happy anniversary, man. Happy anniversary to you. That was a long time ago. This this predated Brooks Kepka mattering or JT mattering, but but now we're here. So we're gonna we'll do a quick spin of golf news. We'll recap the St. Jude. We will preview the U.S. Open. And we'll talk to Fitz from Better Golf or Twitter, uh, make you some money, give you some picks for the week. And then finally, we'll uh, we'll be self-indulgent and we'll yeah. pick a few memories from the first year from the past of the Alternate Shot podcast that, that stood out and that were a lot of fun. So we have a very, very full pod. We do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's get into it. So Matt, before we get into the, uh, the St. Jude breakdown and then jump into the U.S. Open, there was some news this week in the world of golf. Yeah, the very first alternate shot, I remember we said we'd lay it out. We'd say we'd talk about news. We would review last week's tournament. Then we'd preview the next tournament. And we've kind of gone away from news, like more <laughs> or less because there hasn't been any. It used to be like Phil and Bones broke up and then like Jason Dana's caddy broke up. But, but like there's not like always a ton of news, but a little bit of news this week. Um, you know, you and I have a, a friendship that is forged of many things. But one of those things is a, <laughs> a mutual love of Ricky Fowler. That is a fact. And very few people love Ricky Fowler as much as we do. Allison Stokey is one of those people. Uh, congratulations to Ricky Fowler and Allison Stokey, who got engaged this week on a beach in the Hamptons. They took they took a cue from from Scotty. Uh, he took the knee on the beach. That's right. Uh, good for them. That's um, right. Allison Stokey, just uh, for people that have been on the internet since freshman year of college, Allison Stokey is a name. <laughs> Everyone knew who she was. Uh, Ricky Fowler uh, bagged himself a good one there. Um, Just a total power couple, if you would. I mean, if you think about like, <laughs> if you think about your average couple walking down, uh, you know, down to down to Pier Six. It's um, pretty fucking cool, man. So you know, I always wondered this. Like, did you think? I don't even know. It's there's like does. some I sort of she's a, like still a model. Well, she was a world. No, she was a world class. She was a um, phenomenal athlete. Athlete. She was an Olympian, and then you know, so was Ricky. We've talked. We've talked about this. She was not an Olympian, but she was a very, very good. I thought she was an Olympian. No. But she was she was a very good athlete. Like she, you know, she was a Pac-10 track there you field go. athlete. Um, I think she's just a model now. And and Ricky's kind of you know we we've watched Ricky grow up. And he was he dated uh, Christine Radnock for a while. I remember he like got in like some like yeah. Instagram beef with people for making fun of like him and whatever. Um, but like they're they're perfect together. I have friends who really don't give two shits about golf, but they know who Ricky and Stokey are. So good for them. Um, he uh, he definitely. It's funny. We I think we were joking. I was joking with Scotty too about you know when the world knows how much you make per week, right? It becomes a little more difficult to buy a ring. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> um, I don't know what what the goods cost there. I'm guessing uh, yeah, like a quarter mil. Yeah, like something. the thing that thing is huge. <laughs> uh, good good for them. Good for him. I, I think. It's supposed uh, to be like what, what, a, a quarter year or, or six months or something? And well, you did it. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, that's a what? That could be <laughs> three months gross, right? That could that's, be that's the outdated way. That could be 36 holes for Ricky. I mean, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you well, know? exactly. So like Ricky, right? like we were talking last week, like oh Ricky, like could be less than that. Ricky, Ricky and JT went, you know, 67, 67 to come in eighth place, and that's a quarter of a million dollars. There you go. I can see Stokey being like. Well, I just throw that quarter million <laughs> my way. That feels like reasonable. Like that, uh, that that yeah. feels like a, a fair outcome. So no, no, good for them. I, I think like, on, I mean, it, it's hard 
we in our like goals for 2018, it was like be less effusive in our love for Ricky Fowler. <laughs> it's hard, man. Ricky Fowler is everything that I like enjoy and want to see out of a <laughs> professional athlete. He is this like women he's, love he, him. He, well, he's a Men guy. Men want to be him. Yeah, well, Ladies he's also he's like this underdog. Richard because, Fowler. Well, he's not Dustin Johnson. He's not six four. He's not this like physical freak, right? right. He's five eight. He's this little dude. He kind of came from a. You know, he didn't grow up on he a country club. Rode fucking motorcycles and did everything. Yeah, it's it's definitely not your standard country club kid that yeah, grew up so to be a tour pro. Yeah, so love Ricky Fowler. Congrats, Ricky Fowler. Congrats, Allison Stokey. Uh, you know, Ricky bagged a good one. Stokey bagged a good one. So congrats to you both. Congrats, uh, you crazy kids. We're showing up. We're gonna be there. So as, yep. you know, see you there. As as a, a line I often use to make sure that I get invited to many wed- <laughs> weddings to keep my to keep my social score up. I'm coming. So you can, either, you can either invite me or deal with it when I arrive, but I'm going to be there. All right. The other Tom Lehman. Dave isn't here. Dave, whatever. What are you doing, Tom? I miss Dave. Uh, I what are you doing, Tom? Tom Lehman won this week. Friend, Friend of, of the, the pod, pod, Tom Lehman wins a weathered shortened principal charity classic. It is his 11th Champions Tour win. Champions Tour events are basically won by Steve Stricker, Bernhard Longer, or Tom Lehman at it's, this point. It's crazy how much better those guys are than everyone else out there. And it's easy to forget like how the, what the scores they shoot. Those guys can still ball, man. Yeah, and they only play three rounds, right? So, which is good because it, it keeps the stamina up. So, uh, th- this is the cool. story on Tom Lehman. This is how it was written up in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, whatever the paper they have. Tom was at a Sephora with his daughter slash caddy waiting out the rain delay. He got a phone call from the tournament that the tournament was over and that he won. He needed to come collect the trophy. So pretty cool. Congratulations to Tom Lehman. Uh, We love Tom Lehman. The the people and things that we claim to love on the show, like they're not bits. They're not jokes. Like we... I love Ricky Fowler. I love Tom Lehman. I love Seamus Power. We're going to get into that later. Mm -hmm. Like I love all these things. Um, and we love Tom Lehman. So Absolutely. Tom Lehman won. Congratulations. And I like, hopped out of my chair because I saw it on the, you know, I was watching Morning Drive and like Tom Lehman W. And I was like, fuck yeah. Oh, so yeah. He's one of the good guys out there for sure. We love you, Tom. Congratulations. All right. That's our news segment. Into the FedEx St. Jude Classic. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this because we do have another tournament to talk about this week. Yeah, we'll burn through it. But like as mentioned last week, the, the St. Jude Classic is... It, 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 a, a perfect it's reflection of it's we'll, we'll know we'll, so it's go, it's growing it's going to be a WGC event next year as far as the the tournament golf it has been a warm up event for a long time and the warm up events kind of are, are double edged swords right you get probably a better field than you would get to like but not like the, the, field Hart, you want. the Hartford yeah. is like the week after the British right right so people don't play it because they're going to like take the week off the warm up events are typically better attended than their like counterpart JV events because people are trying to tune up. But it's also treated as, you know, mm-hmm. I'm here to work on a few things. You might see players being like, I'm only going to tee off with two irons, right? So like to, yep. to get sharp for the next week. So that's the thing that happens. Uh, we talked, we ended last week's pod. We tried to bring it back from the from the Johan Koch DFL discussion <laughs> to say, look, there there is no better cause on this tour than the St. Jude's Children's Hospital and that is so true. I mean, like on Instagram all week, you saw like Fina, like Fina missed the cut, but Fina went to the hospital. You see Phil in the middle of his round, like talking to, you know, a yeah. little kid who's like going through something that we can't imagine. So like I, I personally have such a soft spot for this charity and, and for this event. So, um, you know, watched as much as I could and just, you know, 
irrespective of the golf that happened and, and the talent we saw on display, just cannot commend that charity in this event enough. So, okay, Thursday, Friday, the cut was plus one. Your two-time defending champ, Daniel Berger, uh, missed the cut, as did your pick, Tony Finau, my pick, Joaquin Neiman, friend of friend of the pod, John Curran, your man, downtown Scotty Brown, Kevin <laughs> Chappell, Smiley Kaufman, and the aforementioned Johan Koch. They all missed the putt. Uh, Johan made some like 85-foot putt. The PJ Tour like live scoring app yeah. is great because the people that you star, it'll drop highlights in. Mm-hmm. And I like sign in to see like, oh, how's, how's Johan doing? And he was like one under through six. He was in like 11th place. And I was just like, no fucking way. <laughs> and they show the clip of him. And he made some like 85 foot side hill putt. And obviously I fell apart for him later. Um, so they all missed the cut. Uh, oh, my oh, no. This week is John Daly. So he was your DFL pick That's last right. week. When we get to grades, we'll sort of hash out what exactly this means. But John Daly... Um, so John Daly, I did not know this, and maybe we should have last week. John Daly used to live at TPC Southwind. This was his home course. Apparently, this place means a lot to him. Um, I did not know that. I know that he's from Mississippi. He won his major in Indiana. Obviously, won another one across the pond. But he had mentioned that you know playing at this event was important because now that it's a yeah. WGC event going forward, he's not going to qualify. So this is important. He goes out there. He plays Thursday seven over, and he withdraws with an ankle injury. So, you know, as, as to, with all things, John Daly, who, who knows what's real versus what's not. I mean, it was like 94 degrees. John Daly's not exactly like a svelte guy. And I could see him being like, you know what? I don't want to fucking deal with this. And I would totally understand that given that he was nowhere near well, the we, cut, but oh my, oh no. If you believe in the emotional attachment to, I want to play this thing out and be good to the fans. Uh, oh my, oh no. John Daly hurt his ankle and had to withdraw. Well, we talk about, the mystery injuries, uh, usually accompanied by scores like this. And, you know, it's correlation causation, right? Like, I mean, oftentimes if you did roll your ankle. It's not going to lead to good scores. So uh, who knows what happened? But, yeah, you're right. Like, if, you're, if you just don't have it and you're not playing well, you um, you may want to catch the early flight home. And the WD is a quick way to do that. Not saying that's what happened, but um, it's sad because you're right. He's not going to most likely not going to qualify for a world golf championship. So um, disappointing to see him drop out early. It's always disappointing to see guys withdraw for whatever reason, but um, it was too bad. We didn't get two rounds out of uh, John Daly. Yep. So uh, as with all things, John, it's, it's interesting. It's entertaining and you know, it is indeed hope he's hope his ankles. Okay. Um, you know, and I hope he look at least, you know, he was oh my oh no, because they're, you know, as flawed a human as he is, he does have emotions and you know, it sucks that he wasn't able to, or decided not to, whichever it was, to to play a final round. Um, but obviously, you know, John Daly's an icon of the game, right? He's like a he's a Hall of Famer by the definition. No question. He win two majors, and uh, even if he's not in the Hall of Fame, I actually don't know research department on it, like if he is or not. Guys, guys, an icon, right? Like he, totally. he he's a something. So, um, oh my, oh no, for John Daly, but but John Daly, good on you for the 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 career that you've had and the 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 prominence that you brought to TPC Southwind. Okay, this week's reminder that golf is hard is Grayson Murray. Uh, sometimes it's hard to pick like who's going to be the reminder that golf is hard because it's like you just go to the bottom of the scoreboard. It's like oh, who had a shitty week, and it's like oh, Smiley was bad, and like someone else is bad, and like I don't want to pick on right, you know, like Greg Chalmers. We'll get to him in a second, right? But. <laughs> Grayson Murray is legitimately the reminder that golf is hard. So Grayson's having a fine week. He makes the cut. He's two under. Whatever. That's fine. He's in like 35th place. He's going to pick up 30K if he finishes there. And I think there's FedEx cut points for 30th. Um, whatever. I see some like, you know, infographic that he had like the third longest drive of the week. Like he hits it pretty far. Like 
He was a good player, right? Um, he goes out Sunday. He's like doing his thing. He's fine. And he's sort of in the band of players who are like not going to win, but make some bucks. So go out there and like do your thing. And like, I don't think he's playing this week in the US Open. So he's just out there to like play. And he's probably doing a couple things. He wants to, you know, score as low as he can to pick up FedEx Cup points and pick up, you know, extra five, 10 grand, right? So he can pay for his flight home. But also, he's probably working on a few things. He's like, you know what? I'm not like excellent this part of my game. And like, you know, I really want to like focus today on, you know, hitting, right. hitting fairways or like working on my nice little gentle draw or whatever. Playing a totally fine round, totally fine round. Got seven holes left and he plays the final seven holes at nine over par. He doubles 12, he quads 14, and he bogeys 16 through 18. So he comes in in 44. Woof. Now, we had the alternate shot staff party on Sunday. We did. Holes, uh, what, six through not seven through nine? Not your strongest no, performance. I think that was, uh, or it was six through eight, whatever it was. It was something like double quad double. Yeah. Right. And like. Which happens I'm an to the am- amateur player. I'm an amateur. Yeah. I'm like an adequate player but you're sitting in the <laughs> cart you're sitting in the cart eight, eight over through three holes yeah and you're like well not through three but like on a three hole window and you're like okay you gotta right. like exhale and like figure your shit out like th- this is out of control right so to see a professional player a professional golfer shoot a 44 on nine holes i can't as long as we've been doing this i don't think i've seen a 44 it can happen though, and he's like good. Like he is we not. He, about he is not Johan. He is not Omar Uresti. Like Grayson Murray can play golf. We talked about this. It's something that can happen. Golf is one of those games where if it gets away from you, it can get away from you quick. All it takes is second guessing yourself over that ball, or you're starting to think about something. You know, <laughs> at the top of your backswing, you're like, okay, you forget about what you're trying to do with the golf ball. Uh, you, you you hit one out of play on the PGA Tour. You don't get to drop one. You don't get the roving mulligan. You have to go play that golf ball. Um, and it can get scary fast. So, yeah, I mean, it's sad to see, but it's a nice reminder that uh, we're not alone when we have those blow-up holes or, or, or a tough front or back side. It, it's there, and it affects even the best players in the world. The reminder that golf is hard, Grayson Murray, who's an excellent player and will make millions and millions of dollars playing this game, came in in 44. Okay, DFL, Greg Chalmers, 19 over par, 29 shots behind your Friday leader, Dustin Johnson. Uh, Greg Chalmers blew up at the Houston Open. You might remember he had an 81 in the final round after teeing off inside of the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Greg, Greg's Greg's a little long in the tooth here. We don't expect him to, to do a ton. Um, but he's a somewhat accomplished guy. And I think when we, and we say this a lot, I think DFL is reserved generally in my mind for people who play less than five events per year. Right. Probably not reserved for people like Greg Chalmers, although Greg Chalmers has had a bit of a rough year. So he's your DFL. Um, okay. On to the actual golf of people who made the cut. Uh, I'm going to kind this. I don't want to, I don't want to use the, use the word rant unfairly. <laughs> We love Seamus Power. We do. Seamus Power was leading after 18. <laughs> Here we go. He was leading on Thursday. It was a proud moment for me. I was strutting around. I was hey, by strutting the way, around the office. If you have been a friend of the pod for a while, you know this goes way back. Here we are a year later. This is not, this was like a pod four or five thing, I think, for us. Yeah. We love Seamus. Oh, like, yeah. I love Seamus Power. I was like, like, like people at work were emailing me like, holy shit, yeah. Seamus is Your winning. Your boy, Seamus. People were happy winning, yeah. for me, right? So I'm thrilled. We <laughs> go were, in, 
They were objectively happy Straight for up, you. They were happy for me. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, Seamus winning. Make an Instagram. Like, tag Seamus. Like, we're thrilled. Like, right. by the way, last time we saw Seamus, he was getting disqualified. Right? Still so had she- his back. Seamus like, like, yo, DQ me, dog. But, like, check me out. I'm, I'm winning. I'm winning this event after Thursday. People had the torches, the pitchforks at the gate. And there, there, there was alternate shot, a beacon in the night defending the guy. And we love him. This we isn't, do. This isn't like a bit. We I love Seamus Power. Seamus Power untags himself yep. from the alternate shot. Ice cold. This is not Ice the first time cold. he has done this. I don't want to brag, but today, <laughs> while I was at work, manage, don't brag. managing our Instagram account, the alternate shot had conversations with Dottie Pepper and Bryson DeChambeau. Just on a casual Tuesday afternoon. So, Seamus Power, we legitimately like you a lot. That was bragging. And, like, please acknowledge us. Well, some people are a little... We just want to like you, man. Listen, and, like, why are you untagging us? Like, what did we do to you? It's not for everybody, you know? Well, he's on it. Yeah, well. Could be his, could be his manager. Could be somebody else. Who knows? Who knows? That wasn't bragging, man. That was, like... <laughs> There are people. There are people who. A little bit. No, no, no. There are people who are more important in the game of golf than Seamus Power, who are interacting with us, as you know, an outlet of golf fandom on Instagram. We're nobodies. I'm aware of that. But Bryson responded. Dottie Pepper talks to us. Like so, Seamus Power. Not even is Seamus Power not even like acknowledging what we do. Peter Malnati acknowledges us. He talks to us. Like like Seamus Power is actively detagging what we're doing. Yeah. I don't want to make too big a thing of this. I still love you, Seamus. I know your friends follow us and listen to us. I know you know who we are. This is not a bit. We like you. Just like a, us back, just, just acknowledge us, man. Just acknowledge us. Just just be nice to us. We will never say anything bad about you. If you thought any of this was bad about you, it's not. We love we you. Still we still won't. Still love like you, Seamus. No, we we love Seamus. Yeah. That's it. We just want we just want some acknowledgement from Seamus. That's all. Okay. Uh, hop forward to Friday. DJ is leading. He's 10 under. DJ goes like 7 under on Friday. We'll get into DJ. He just went into like cheat code mode this whole time, uh, this, this whole weekend. Uh, Ryan Blom and Andrew Putnam are one back. Snedz is three back. Seamus is four back. Richie Wierenski, Phil, Brooks Kepka, and JB Holmes are all kind of sort of in it, but not really. Right. You know, when you're five back plus, you're, you're, you're in it, but not really. Okay, moving day. Uh, notable Saturday stuff. Stuart Sink, he plays with Phil. He shoots at 64, including an ace. Moves Boom. up to third. Stuart Sink, the, the hat tan line to end all hat tan lines. Good for so him. So epic. Trey Molinax, um, we, we like Trey. Trey got up and down from the hospitality tent. That's Trey right. is a college teammate of Justin Thomas. Uh, Trey has been featured on the pod before. He's been featured in a uh, in an Instagram actually with a, a fantastic like two thumbs up photo from his wedding day. Uh, he's also been DFL, I think. So we we like Trey. He shot five under again to seventh place, and then Braden Thornberry, an alternate shot first, five under par. Uh, Ole Miss guy. He moves into tenth place. By the way, perfect name for an Ole Miss guy, Braden we, Thornberry. We like Braden. Like, I've seen Braden before. Right out of central casting, phenomenal. And Braden is, um, I think, in the ways that golf is is attempting to be more relatable and less like freak athletes like Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson and, and Jason Day and more of a, you can kind of be any shape or size. Braden Thornberry is is exactly that. He's a he's a fun dude. He's kind of got the SEC thing going. Yeah. Um, we we like Braden. We follow Braden. Uh, he qualified for the U.S. Open during a qualifier day, so we'll see him this week. So we like Braden. Anyway, he came in, he, he made some moves, and uh, was up to 10th on Saturday. So we go to Sunday. 
Uh, DJ and, and Andrew Putnam had gone low. So basically, there's this two man race. They're 15 under heading into Sunday. This was a little bit uh, of a callback to DJ and, and TPJ at Pebble, where you know DJ was number one at the time. He was number two teeing off on Sunday. TPJ was like you know 280th in the world, mm-hmm. and, and Putnam. Like I think we've talked about Putnam a couple times, but he's not. You know, he's he's an outside the top 200 OWGR guy. Um, and so it was like, well, will history repeat itself? We're going to see the underdog do a phenomenal job. Uh, he did his best. Uh, so we had the alternate shot staff party on Sunday. So we didn't really see the front nine, but we we caught we, the back. We caught the back. We caught to the back. Cape Club TVs were, were working and we Very were good. Um, so just kind of the rundowns of notables. Uh, Kepka and Malnati came in 30th. Malnati, by the way, has, has turned it around. He was missing a bunch of cuts. Yeah, he's playing, playing a lot well. better. He's playing a lot better. Yeah, and he's a great putter. And this was always going to happen. So we're, we're just happy to see. Uh, a really good guy. There's a good turn. There's a good video on like the PJ Tour Instagram this week of him and um, uh, uh, Charles Howell the third, I mm-hmm. think, like dressing up and like pretending to be volunteers and like like <laughs> fucking with some of the players. So like just another <laughs> reminder, like what a good guy Mel Nadia is. So anyway, they came 30th, Stents in 26, Seamus and Phil in 12. Phil was all over the place. Phil was like one off the lead after Thursday. He was like way over par on Friday and Saturday, and then he was like 600 on Sunday. So. We'll get to Phil later in our U.S. Open preview, but he played pretty well. Uh, in 125, 125K for our man Seamus. Congrats, man. We love you. 12th. That's money. That's FedEx Cup points. Keep it up. Uh, Ches Revy and Snez tied for sixth. Richie Wierenski in fourth. Richie Wierenski was a DFL pick of mine in like January, February. Uh, he's come a long way. He like almost aced 17 at the players. Uh, I think he had like a top 30 at the players. Uh, and he picks up a top five here. He picks up 290K. So good on you, Richie. Uh, Richie's playing well. Um, we love him. He's, he's a mass yeah. native. He's born in Springfield. We we like him. Um, JB Holmes in third. JB Holmes is a hard out, yeah. blah, whatever. Um, okay. Andrew Putnam, uh, second place. He's two over for the day on Sunday. He tried his best. He, two over is never going to win it on Sunday, but it just was never going to happen regardless against DJ. <laughs> Uh, DJ, like I said, cheat code mode all week. He just, he does this sometimes where he just, he hits drives that no one else can hit. He does things out of the fairway and he puts really well. He holed out twice Eagles from a hundred yards. He just dunked one on Friday and then he walked it off on 72 with a hundred and, you know, 55 yard flip wedge or something. You picked up $1.118 million, uh, money. He certainly doesn't need. He reclaims the number one spot in the world. Um, I'm yeah. glad we had our, you know, OWGR chat two no, weeks but, ago that held up really well. But but JT, I mean, uh, excuse me, DJ, DJ does this every couple months. He just he just has a tournament where you and I sit here and we go at their like a plus game. I don't think anyone can do what DJ does, and this was a lesson in that. It's just interesting to me why we don't see this more out of him. It's one thing we talk about. I mean, we talk about speed, and you're like, you know, physically, he's he's not a dominant player. But when he ties it together, he is a dominant player. But but DJ doesn't need any one particular part of his game. He can win with, you know, four out of five aspects of his game firing on decent cylinders. What we saw this weekend was, you know, an all-out performance where he absolutely dominated. What's shocking to me is the fluctuation in what we see at a DJ. It's almost like, and and the joke has been you've joked about like the whole shiny objects thing, but like. And I don't want to like trivialize it, but either he just turns it on for whatever reason or off, but there's nothing physically apparent in his game that's lacking when he doesn't play, when he doesn't do this. And then seemingly he hits the exact same. It's, there's nothing 
markedly different in the way he swings the golf club or hits the golf ball. He seemingly hits it the same way every time, but then sometimes he just fucking dominates. And this was an absolute tour de force. This was an unbelievable showing of dominance. And you're right. Uh, if he does this at the U.S. Open this week, uh, not a player on earth can stop him. So I don't want to like... So when you hole out twice from, you know, 100 it's, plus yards, like so th- there's, a, there's an element of luck there, right? Like that is not... It's not like he just decided to hit it. To, right. But like one of them, he's like totally slam dunked. The other guy had a nice roll on. So like, let's just in a normal world, let's take, let's add two, two strokes to his total. Right. So, but he still wins by four. Right. I like a tune up event, but I, I think it's a fair question. Like, like we, we play this game a lot. Like this is your, you know, kind of at the bar discussion of like, who's the most talented, who's the best, like who's the most gifted. Like those are all different answers to me when in a vacuum, when DJ plays his best golf, no one else can do what he does. Like, like nobody. And so it turns into a question of like, yeah. what, what is it that either motivates him or gets him in a position to deliver on that promise one week versus another? Because he has weeks where he's like disengaged and like he, he doesn't do anything. He finishes in 45th and it's just like, well, it's yeah. like he's not even there. And then there's other weeks like where we're watching on Sunday and he hits that drive where he like cuts the corner and he carries it like, 335 yards gets like 45 yards a roll and then he just hits him like wedge into four feet and it's just like what are, what are we doing here like there's right. no one on earth like there he's a video game boss i think there is one thing about his game in that you know you mentioned we'll, we'll talk about field players you know later in the pod but he's a field player like he doesn't have that textbook lead better swing he's a very very upright on the ball he has a huge amount of like uh, angle in his wrists, and he creates an, a massive amount of leverage and torque uh, with both lag and also arc in his swing. So, if that's not lined up for whatever reason, you can um, you can have difficulty hitting it to the level of precision. And a lot of the taller, bigger players have that issue. They combat that by having sort of slower, longer swings. Um, DJ, though, seemingly though, when he does get does get into a rhythm, it doesn't look hard for him. It doesn't look like he's like trying to kill the ball. Um, you know, Tiger Woods, everyone thinks as a huge, big player, but he's actually not um, a physically huge guy. He got jacked, but he wasn't a 6'4", 6'5", guy like DJ is. Uh, I think he's only six one or six feet tall. But um, yeah, when DJ is doing it uh, <laughs> with that level of ease, it, I, it's got to be disheartening for the guys around him, right? Because you're, you're not only trying to play your best uh, and compete at the highest level you can, you also have to hope that DJ doesn't doesn't show up as Frankenstein, right? Uh, and just take out the field. So that Jekyll and Hyde thing that, that he's been battling his whole career, we always thought was sort of a mental thing, but um, he does seem to have, have leveled that out. And he's only going to perform at a higher and higher level as he gets more and more comfortable and consistent with this swing. So yeah, it was really fun to watch. It was cool to watch. I, ha- I mean, we both happen to be DJ fans, but it was not a fair fight on Sunday at all. Not at all. And we will talk about Shinnecock, but boy, is he now the favorite more than, than anyone oh, else yeah. in the field based on what we saw. There's some recency bias there, but also a course that's going to favor, you know, big hitters. Uh, forgive them if they're a couple degrees wayward off the tee. No question. Um, I think you're going to see a big hitter win this week and DJ, uh, no bigger hitter than him. Than him. Okay. Hard to check. JB Holmes came in third uh, and Billy Horschel came in 51st. Grades. This is an interesting grade situation because um, we we hammered the low end, we failed on the high end. So, uh, and we can we can argue about these if you want. Uh, Matt B minus. Joaquin Neiman missed the cut. 
Uh, Johan Koch, uh, everyone's favorite. Uh, he missed the cut. He missed DFL by two. Looked like he had it. I was like following pretty intently on Friday. Uh, him and Chalmers are kind of going at it, and Chalmers in the clubhouse. Johan had a bunch of holes left, and and managed to like shoot, you know, hit make enough pars to not quite uh, DFL. Uh, you also get a B minus. Tony Finau missed the cut. Um, I'm kind of giving myself points for telling you that Finau wouldn't do well. <laughs> and then John Daly withdrew. So uh, Daly was seven over when he bailed. Who's to say how he would have finished up? I extrapolated seven over to 14 over. It wasn't quite as bad as Johan's number. I think he was 17 over. So B minus, it's a tie. Yeah, like that's fair. I think, you know, again, I, I hate getting points on guys for the, for the, for the withdrawal because you don't know what you don't know. Um, but I think it was, I think it's fair to be minus there. Um, we could have done better this week for sure. Yeah, not our best. Uh, so it's 12 to 10. Like, there's still a lot to play for. All so, right. Um, all right, event grades. Did we enjoy the tournament out of two? I don't know. I don't know what it is about this event. Maybe it's because we were, I was so jazzed up for the U.S. Open, but like, I want to give it a one five. Like, I just didn't, didn't have the punch for me. Um, again, like, you know, minus DJ, the field was sort of blah. I mean, one five's like okay. Yeah, I give it a one five. I think it was a good event, but just a good event. Um, we'll get into it when we talk about, you know, our last grade, but. Yeah, one five for me. Just didn't have the punch that uh, that it needed. Uh, so I, I will tilt my grade based on again. I really like the kind of Instagram, uh, you know, live TV coverage that they showed of players like interacting with um, with the kids who were sick. Uh, it, you know, it, it's it's a good tournament for for that reason. Um, I I went back and forth on whether or not I'd say this on the pod. JB Holmes, like. Maybe just talk to the sick kid after yeah. the 18th green. Like, what the actual fuck, man? Like, he gave her a ball and, like, walked away. So and this is like, like we, we were watching. Like I said, we didn't catch a ton. This, like, of pissed me off. Like, I, I don't, don't want to overdo this, but, like, this fucking bothered me. Like, yeah, just, so can you just be nice to the little kid? No, he's like, playing. Sick? No, just like, if you, did, if you guys didn't see it, like, there are these, these children from St. Jude that are there. Uh, they bring them to the events. Very cool. And they get to be close to the players. And you get a high five and a golf ball and the whole deal. And... Holmes just like burns this little girl like she she wasn't even there and I'm sure he I don't know maybe he was frustrated or I don't know what the deal was but man I mean there there's a there's a time and a place and that's probably the locker room by yourself or with your caddy but I don't know it's, it's one of the reasons we don't like him I don't think he's very self-aware of that stuff but um it was super super obvious and even even the the, the television crew is kind of like didn't know what to say um it was not a good look for him and uh come on you got to be better than that it was weird, and maybe the camera caught a weird moment, and they spent more time together uh, that that we're not aware of. But no. but what was on TV was like woefully short of what uh, I would expect a, a kind no, adult human being to they, do to a sick person. Every player was, was just, coming off that green, high fiving the kids, picking them up, giving them a golf ball, whatever, and making them feel like you know they were part of the you know p- part of the event, which they absolutely were. Um, look, the tour is a hugely charitable organization. They do a huge amount of charity work. Um, I don't know how it compares to other, um, you know, big four sports, but they, they make it a big point and the players get involved and the wives get involved and it's a huge part of the tour. And you can't be a PGA tour player and not be aware of this aspect of the role of the game. I know you're, you're an athlete, you're a player, you're a golfer, but you're also representative of the tour and um, you owe it to, 
you owe it to the kids at the St. Jude to you know to show a little bit more uh, effort than that. I thought it was unacceptable, um, and he's got to do better. He yep, that's the right word for it. I, and it's not like he you know four putted from nine feet to lose the tournament. No. He was eight strokes behind. It Dustin wouldn't matter if he did. He, he came just, in third. Yeah. Like it just it was bad. I just really didn't like it. Let's just move on. Uh, anyway, oh so score. I'm giving it a one point eight. I think it's like a great tournament. I think what you you got to show out of Dustin Johnson. Um, you know, it was uh, you. You got a bunch of hole outs. You got a bunch of eagles. Like we've talked about, there was a, an excellent charitable event to it. We had good weather. Uh, people going low, so I'm giving it 1.8. Uh, did we enjoy the outcome out of one? Uh, yeah, one out of one for me. I mean, watching DJ return to form like that was ridiculous. I mean, to your point, you know, cheat code, video game, Tiger Vision, whatever you want to call it, it was a show. Um, and it's really fun to see a guy like that. As fun as it is to watch Spieth drain 35-footers, you know, do stuff like that, or Phil chip it in from all over the place. I don't know. For me, it doesn't get a whole lot better than watching a guy absolutely overpower a golf course and do stuff that his competitors just simply can't physically do. Um, it was awesome. It was Barry Bonds hitting home runs. It was like it was one of those types of things, and uh, it was cool. You don't see that a lot on the golf course. And yeah, for me, one out of one. Yep, well put. And you know, this question is meant to say, like, given the given the range of of outcomes, were you happy with the one you got? Like, yes, we got a walk off seventy second hole eagle from the best player in the field. One out of one. Did we like the players involved out of two? One point five as well. I mean, like you said in the lead in here, um, it just doesn't have the firepower because it's a tune up event. I mean, you're right. You're going to get more players in tune up events than you are in post major events. But not everyone warms up or, or prepares the same way, so we didn't have the same you know field. But I don't know. I, that wasn't to be expected. But then again, you know, you're not going to rank a tournament like this that high. I mean, you reserve that for your players and your majors and stuff like that. So one five for me. Yep. In my mind, again, like who was involved on Sunday? Did we like those two people, Andrew Putnam and Dustin Johnson? I like, you know, I like DJ. I have no problem with Andrew Putnam, but like that wasn't ever a contest. It wasn't, you know, ever a real thing. So I'm giving this point five. I, I really didn't. It was, uh, you know, you kind of had this this two man show, basically match play on Sunday. And one of the guys I just like, frankly, don't care a ton about yet. He's we've talked about him a couple times. I don't want to shortchange Andrew Putnam here. But he's not a star yet. He's playing well. I like him, uh, but it, it just didn't. You know, it, it wasn't right. It wasn't awesome. So I'm giving it 0.5. I think that we um, that's a, that's a score where we might tack a little too high because we're trying to be nice to people. Uh, I'm going to be honest here. Like I just I didn't really care yeah. about Andrew Putnam. I don't care about him. Uh, was there drama out of one? 0.3. I mean, it was a runaway victory. No drama. I mean. Again, I, I always skew like low on this just because I, I mean I love the battles down the stretch. I mean you could say that, but then you you have to loop in the type of the quality of the field there at the end, and and I don't know there weren't a lot of lead changes there on Sunday. So uh, yeah, what did I say point point three? You said point three. I think the yeah the like the six stroke victory is somewhat misleading. Like we were watching like the fourteenth hole, I think, and it's a par three and. DJ the T and he put it to like 15 and then Putnam and like Putnam teed off behind him and put it to like 17 feet or something. And there might've been like a make miss situation. It wasn't like this tournament was over. This was not Webb Simpson at the players championship. Like there, there was a reason to watch. Uh, so there, yeah, was, no there question, was some amount of intrigue there. Um, but it, it wasn't exactly dramatic and it was certainly below average. So I will go point four on that. Uh, will we talk about this tournament again out of one? And usually we give tournaments higher rankings for these dramatic either return to form or victories from guys who haven't been playing well. And, you know, 
you could say that because DJ hasn't won a lot recently, that, that perhaps you know that's at the level that that you know we we expect him to. I don't think we're talking about this event ever again. Um, outside of the the whole, the whole out eagle to win it, that, that's going to be a highlight for years to come. So because of that, I'm going to bump it up to like a point three. But yeah, it it's just it doesn't have enough firepower. It doesn't have enough star power, uh, and there wasn't enough drama. So point three. Yep, DJ won in January. He won the century, uh, you know, the, the curtain raiser. Um, but he hasn't done, like, a ton since then. So right. I think that uh, I've begun to frame this question through, will we talk about it again? And the reason we would talk about it is again, excuse me, talk about it again, is because some future success mm-hmm. obligates us to refer back to this one. I think there's a decent chance that Dustin Johnson wins the U.S. Open this week. Mm-hmm. And I think if that happens, we will think of his win in Memphis as kind of a reboot. He lost number one, mm-hmm. went down to number two. He went to Memphis. He mopped the floor with everybody. So I don't think it. I think it's a non-zero chance. I think it's like point three, but I don't think it's uh it's a terribly high, yeah, terribly high thing I, you know, in a vacuum. I don't think we'll talk about it. Uh, what was your score again? Sorry, I didn't type. Point it. three for me. Point three. Okay, so the St. Jude Classic gets an eight point six. Out of 14, that would rank it 0.2 points ahead of the Zurich, the team event that we all loved and enjoyed, and 0.4 points behind the Valspar, the gold, <laughs> the stand, the the gold standard through which the we judge of all tour. events. So it was not quite the Valspar, so it was not a good <laughs> tournament. Okay. Hot take alert. Hot take alert. All right. Everybody's favorite segment in the week of golf. It's time for Stupid Golf Haiku. It's time. DJ crushed the field. JB Holmes, be nicer, bro. On to <laughs> Shinnecock. Yeah. I would say not your best. I'd give it a three out of five. Will we talk about it again? Two out of five. <laughs> we just went in on JB Holmes. You know what? It's the reckoning has come. It's time for us. I mean, we, we had him on Hard Up Patrol for a long time. And then literally we were watching that. And sure enough, right there validation of our uh i heard a phrase when i was younger once it was like in a movie or something i don't remember where exactly it came from but it was like it was something to the effect of we have the right enemies (laughs) and it like when you're I, i get the natural inclination to like be everyone's friend and be complimentary to everybody right but not everyone is worthy of that right not everyone reaches that that bar jb holmes is not my enemy but like from what we've observed of JB Holmes, he has taken, you know, seven minutes to like lay up mm-hmm. at the farmers when there was a sunlight issue and the whole gallery was like hit the fucking ball. Yeah. And now we've seen him like honestly, and maybe I'm missing something. Like, and if I'm missing a clip or if there's more to this, like please let us know. Like, like tag us on Instagram, like, like tag us on Twitter, like let us know. But from what I've observed, JB Holmes could not be fucking bothered to talk to like a little kid with like advanced cancer who the st jude children's hospital deemed worthy of being on the 18th green on sunday so like i don't know like i think we have the right enemy here like jb holmes i need to see something man sorry like sorry sorry to call you out sorry to put you in the haiku but like you like be better dude like be be much much better okay u.s open preview uh stump mike we're gonna save stump mike for fits uh fits we're, we're gonna have fits dial in a couple minutes here Fitz texted me. He said, let me do stunt mic. Sure thing. It's all you Fitz. Um, 
So quick little course preview. We'll dial them up in a couple of minutes. It is the U.S. Open. The United um, States Open. Doesn't require a ton of introduction. I think when we think about the, the stack ranking of the different majors, I think that the Masters has kind of this prestige to it because yeah, it's so unique. Yeah. The Open Championship is, you know, the oldest and it's, it's this, you know, it's over there and it's this whole deal. And I think the PGA Championship is, is attempting to reframe uh, the, the currently held position that it is like definitely the fourth the major weakest, and it is yeah. the one that like Rich Beam and Y Yang will win. <laughs> the Open, uh, the U.S. Open is uh, probably the toughest test of golf and rightly or wrongly, uh, and, and that's a fair discussion to have, but what you end up no, getting is you get, you know, last year being a, a notable outlier, you get winning scores above par and you get mm-hmm. players like openly bitching about the course and you get, you know, occasionally like, historic performances like Tiger Woods at, at Pebble Beach, right? Where everyone remembers that one because it was just such an absurd feat to go so far below par at our nation's <laughs> championship. We'll talk about Phil in a second here. I think like, I think that a lot of pressure is put on this idea specifically by Phil, but in general, about like winning your nation's championship. I, I think of golf not as like a global or not of not as a United States game. It's a global game. Americans go and play well in in Europe and they go play, you know, in the Asian tour in the winter during the silly season. So it this is always an intriguing event. Shinnecock Hills uh, in Tuckahoe, New York, in the Hamptons. Um, it's an incredible venue. This is one of the the golf digest, you know, top five or 10 every year. It's kind of a unique setting. It's links-ish. It's, uh, it's, it's open and vulnerable to the weather, you know, not to brag, but Dottie and I talking on the gram today, you know, like if it's windy, we have a whole different situation. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I, I think this is one of those, the, the U S open in my mind, uh, I, I get that they're trying to move it around. They had it at chambers Bay. They've done it at, you know, this venue and that venue. Um, I think of it a little like golf Super Bowl, where there's basically six or seven sites that are, you know, warm and accessible and TV friendly, and they're there. and And the USGA does an imperfect job of rotating them through that. But Shinnecock, Bethpage, Pebble, right? There's sort of like this set roster Oak in my Mont, mind of like yeah. very, very worthy courses that are not experimental mm-hmm. and that are real. This is one of them. So 7,440 yard par 70. Beast. Do the math on that. Uh, Brooks Kepka, your defending champion. The top 60 players in the world are in the field. Other notables. Adam Scott made it. This is his 68th straight major. He won a Monday qualifier to make it. There are 19 amateurs in the field, which is the most since 1981. So that's like one of the things that, you know, touch on your, on your point about the Open. That I, I really think elevates it above um, any other major, and and that really is that everybody that's there um, belongs there and has to has to go through an incredibly tough road. I mean, you just talked about Adam Scott, you know, one of these guys, a Masters champion. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a world class player has to actually win a qualifier to get in, and you you, you don't have the um, you know the smaller field that you do at Augusta and the very well known golf course you can prepare for in a variety of different ways. There's no surprises with pin placements. You don't have um, sort of the, the, the wild change in the scenery for the majority of the players that you do with, uh, with an open championship. You don't have the, you know, at least to date, sort of more of the quirky layout, quirky golf course selection that the PGA Championship oftentimes has. What you have is an absolute gauntlet um, that will be a test for every player on tour. And I think that's why it generates such a diverse set of winners, 
And I think that's why even if there is sort of an oddball champion, they are worthy of that title champion uh, because you know they had to earn it. And I don't know, I just I always look forward to this event because you, you do see some new faces, some guys with very interesting stories on how they got there. But then you always have the world's best, um, usually at a world class golf course, always set up in incredibly difficult fashion. So um, before we get into it, I just wanted to say, like, it is for me, uh, to your point, the Super Bowl of golf. Um, it's going to be a wild ride, and I just can't wait to get into it. Yep, and it's a funny event in that, like, you either have, I feel like there's a weird, you're, they're on either pole of it's someone that you definitely, definitely expected to win, right? or it's someone who just wasn't on your radar, right? So it's reading backwards. Kepka, mildly on radar, but not really. And first pod, we'll get into, like, the one-year anniversary. I don't think we talked about Brooks Kepka. DJ, phenomenal player. Everyone thought he was a contender, right? Spieth, sure. Martin Keimer went and just like roasted everybody yeah. at Piners. Like I think he beat Ricky Fowler by like seven strokes or something. Mm-hmm. Ricky Fowler teed off in the final group like with no hope of winning. Yep. None whatsoever. Um, Justin Rose won at Marion, won over, and, and he beat Phil, you know, by a stroke or whatever. Webb Simpson won, but like Roy McElroy, um, you know, Tiger uh, with Lucas Glover and Graham McDowell thrown in. So it's like you kind of get one or the other. You either get, mm-hmm. you know, as I think forward, it's either one of those three or four best players in the world or you're going to get someone like, I don't know, picking a name out of a hat here, like Paul Casey. Like, oh, Paul Casey goes and wins. So who's to say they, ha- they, have, not, like, they have not perfected this art yet? Well, you don't. What I like about it in the way that other majors, I think, have. Well, I think Augusta tries to make itself a place that really caters to a certain type of golfer, or rather, the the certain type of golfers cater themselves to what Augusta National rolls out. The PGA is just a just a very different type of major, and then you have to be a wind player, a foul weather player, to win, or you know, consistently put yourself in contention at the Open Championship. But the U.S. Open just doesn't care who you are. It, it lays that gauntlet out. And then you add weather into that, and it can be one of those situations where you have a morning tea time and like like the Open Championship, you get kind of screwed, or you, you have a couple of bad bounces and you make a huge number and you're no longer in contention. So I, I agree that that it does give you that that that's why I said earlier, like it gives you that it gives you that diverse set of champions, but I don't think it's it's something that should be crafted to try to produce um or favor one type of player over the other. I think it's something that just shows you how crazy golf can be and you know one or two bad swings in a US Open can cost you like hugely the way it wouldn't on a normal Florida swing tournament. So we'll get into our picks in a second, but let's bring in let's bring in Fitz, uh, old friend of the pod, the only guest we've ever had, now we have him twice. That's right. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, our friend and your friend on Twitter at better golfer better with an o. Uh, he's here to win you money and he's here now to uh to fill you in and, and make us all laugh so let's let's cut it to our call with fits all right as is major championship tradition uh we have matt fitzpatrick joining us this week that's uh, right better golf b-e-t-t-o-r golfer excuse me better golfer on twitter uh he's gonna set you up he's gonna win you some money uh fitzy good to talk to you man long time no see yeah. what's new not too much happy anniversary to you guys on the pod thank you very much thank one you. year lots to celebrate <laughs> It's a big, it's a big milestone. We're 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 quite proud of it, actually. Yeah, you should be. That's awesome. Like, how many things do you do for a year? Like, uh, hold I hold must... a job, maybe date somebody, but like, that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I've been golfing for more than a year. There you go. That's about, that's the other thing. <laughs> that's another one that you can do fairly easily yeah. for, for more than yeah. a year. <laughs> no doubt. All right. So the U.S. Open, we had you on for the Masters. We talked about uh, about 101 different people. We definitely dedicated some time to to Captain America. You called it. You love Captain America. I told you about my my like fake out at the window. Um, yeah. I wanted some Captain America. It's 60 to 1. They cut the odds on me. I panicked. I didn't do it. Uh, I, I had, you know, I, I circled the wagons on every other realistic pick. I, I was watching that final round and I, I had Ricky and I had Rom and I had like, I, I had Spieth. I had, uh, like I had, I had, a, I had probably had half the top 10 did not have read. So looking to, looking to pull back a little bit this week before we hop into individual names, uh, news recently gambling, the gambling, um, kind of uh you know field in in the in the united states of america is changing the supreme court has made a ruling on on gambling um what are what are your thoughts what does that mean to the the everyday joe who just kind of watches golf and and you know throws a couple flyers out there and and bets on his phone what does this mean for people yeah i think it, it can't hurt the game it'll only help it i think one thing it'll do is add more money to the actual uh field and pots will grow because I think the PGA will find a way to, as a lot of these major leagues are doing, they're going to find a way to have some bit of money come in from the revenue of the, of the gambling that's once legalized. Um, from a, just a Joe Schmo gambler, what's going to be awesome about it is we're finally going to get non shitty coverage on TV. I think you'll find, you know, in the gambling and fantasy football age, we have red zone channel. Um, we probably won't get like tape delayed rain, uh, rounds. We'll probably get to see many groups on the TV as opposed to like just the masters where you have to go on online and right. see a couple angles. Uh, they've talked about maybe making some of the stats harder to less publicized where you have to actually maybe pay for it because sharps will want to get some of those stats. But, all in all, it's going to bring more interest to the game. Really good stuff. I, I don't see any negatives other than me having an easier way to lose money. <laughs> totally valid. I've definitely kicked around the idea of, you know, I remember there was like a movie one time where a, like some bros like go to the Caribbean and they set up this like illegal offshore gambling thing and they're like printing money, but like they can't return home. I remember we were right. sitting around one time, like sitting around like the dinner table or the keg or wherever we were. And someone's like, would you do that? And I was like, I believe that technology has to have evolved to the point where when Mike and I are watching the Masters, I could go, hey, man, I bet you 20 bucks Tiger gets up and down, right? And there's no there's no website intuitive enough to offer those live odds. But I know that if you're in Europe or something, you can walk into a Ladbrokes and just write on a piece of paper like Rory McIlroy's dad did. Like, my kid will win the British Open before 2018. Mm -hmm. And the guy in the window is like, yeah, no fucking way, bro. Like, 5,001. <laughs> and they take a picture of it and they do it. And I always thought, like, there should be a website that can just take these perpetual live bets of like, all right, I bet Tiger puts this within eight feet take it or leave it for a dollar. I think that this opens the door to like a normalcy of gambling. And I think yeah. that there is no sport, honestly, where gambling is more a part of, of playing and watching than golf. And I, I think this yeah, can mean point. it's nothing but positive for the game. And especially when you talk about some of those stats and the TV coverage, I mean, just, you know, a week or two ago where we're watching, you know, final round of the Memorial on, 
on tape delay and it's just kind of scramble mm-hmm. to get the groups out there to get it done by Sunday at like 6 p.m. before 60 minutes. I think this is I couldn't agree with you more. This is a this is a, a such a positive for the game of golf because gambling happens. It happens everywhere. Fantasy football has changed the way we watch professional football. I, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think golf is is so uniquely suited for it. I think, too, like you're going to get better coverage. right? I mean, like if you look at fantasy football and what it's done for. Um, you know, the casual fan being able to get into football, you know, maybe that maybe it wasn't a huge fan. Uh, there's so many resources out there now to go and learn about your, you know, <laughs> your second string, you know, cornerbacks that you want to just stick on your roster. And I think, you know, golf can be a, a little bit of a daunting learning curve for a lot of new fans out there. And I think, you know, one of the easiest ways to do it is to throw a couple of bucks on there and pop on the, uh, you know, on the TV and, and get into it. So I think it's a good thing for the game. And I'm glad that the, uh, I'm glad that, that you know the tone out there is changing a bit. We're growing up. Yeah, I up. think Matt, one a little bit further to one thing you said is uh, in Europe they also have these really cool ways to bet that I've still not seen anywhere because it's just tough to do on on a website. But they'll put like an over under on a player, and every spot they are either ahead of what that over under is pays out like higher odds. So if if there's a guy who's like over under is eleventh and he finishes second you get like nine times whatever that odd is. And this, and then uh, the same the other way, if they miss the cut or something, you could lose like 45 times what you bet on, which is, I mean, it, it's, the specifics are a little off, but it's pretty cool way to do it, I think, where you know you, have, you could do some of these <laughs> further long odd guys where you know the odds aren't great, but if they win, you're not – uh, or if they come in third, you're you're still going to win some money. They don't have to win or come in the top five, something like that. So that's awesome, and that sounds like trouble. But uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let the free market figure it out. All right, you so don't want to bet. You don't want to bet like like Dustin Johnson, and then he misses the cut. You're totally screwed. Totally, totally sense. screwed. Yeah. We'll just bet Seamus and, and pick up money on Seamus. There we go. All right, so let's get into this week. So Shinnecock is an interesting venue. Um, it is, it's effectively like a link-style course in the United States with the kind of punitive setup of, of a U.S. Open. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll save a little bit of time for prop bets at the end, but I think it's fair to say we're going to see a lot of people over par. We're going to see some big names miss the cut. Um, this is, you know, talking about your, your method, which I, I subscribe to, you know, leave leave a handful of, of the the favorites on the board just because they don't pay and, and maybe try and pick some people in like the 15 to 30 payout range. Curious if that strategy changes at all for this U.S. Open or if you if you're sticking to it. So give us uh, give us a couple picks that you have to go out and win this event. Yeah. So I think Dustin Johnson being the clear favorite at some point in some sort of live odds, you'll be able to get him at better than meaning like higher odds than seven or eight to one what he is so i'm leaving some of those high guys on the the table um one thing that i mentioned at the masters i'm think i'm like 16 straight majors betting ricky fowler and not losing so he's at 18 he's at 18 to one so i basically need him to win to just get my money back over the last four (laughs) years so uh, so I'll be putting something on him. But in, in all seriousness, a couple guys that I really like at the top that I think have some decent value that aren't, aren't looked at as like maybe the Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas from an odd, Justin Rose uh, from an odds perspective are uh, John Rahm, who's at like 23 to one right now. He had an explosion in his last and his only U.S. Open that he started at. But he's just too 
talented of a guy not to win. What I see as there's a few guys that I know with 100% certainty are someday going to win a major. And I think uh, John Rahm, Matsuyama, and Ricky Fowler are those three guys. And so I'm going to bet on all three of those, and I'm going to keep betting them until they win. And the fortunate thing about this year is that so Ricky's at 18 to one, Rom's at 23, but Matsuyama's at 33 to one. And something pretty interesting about him is he actually has is the only player to finish in the top 20 in his last six majors, and he's playing okay right now. I mean, he's 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 obviously played a lot better. But he's finished 16 and 13 in his last two, and at 33 to one odds, I mean, he's that's pretty much as low as worse of odds as he's been in a major, and he's a guy who steps up for that. So, uh, Ram and Matsuyama are two of my towards the top guys that I will bet, and then one other that's a, a somewhat of a leader is Jason Day. He's like anywhere between 18 and 20 to, to one odds. He it be, let's throw away last year's miscut in the uh, in the U.S. Open because he actually was playing pretty terribly going into that. He his prior uh, uh, U.S. Opens were eight, nine, four, two, sixty, and two. Like the guy's an, a machine, and he's won majors. So, I, I, and he's won on courses like this course, Whistling Straits, was long and punitive, like you said. So. Uh, and I'll get into a couple other guys. And he probably, he could have won Chambers Bay, except he had like that vertigo incident uh, where he like collapsed and managed to get up and down and, and finish out. And, you know, I think that threw him for a loop, but I agree like, we just, we just talked about the course a couple minutes ago. It's, it's this extremely long, you know, forgiving ish because the fairways are so wide, but then like ruin you if you actually miss the fairway course. So you can have guys who are, you know, long off the tee, but but not totally straight, but have been in big moments and have putted well and have a good scramble game. I think Jason Day is an excellent pick for this week. What are what are you finding him at in, on some of the exchanges? He's like 18 to 20. Is, it's pretty consistent. I think a couple I've seen it get up to 16, but I think 18 is pretty much the average there. I like that one. Hideki too is interesting. He he's a player who, you know, when we do our weekly picks, I think Hideki comes up once a month, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, Mike will pick him or I will pick him and the response will be I it's he's a little like Justin Rose. Like I will never argue with you picking him to win an event because I've seen him play his A plus game and his A plus game is as good as anyone in the world. We just don't see it all the time, and I don't think we've seen Hideki A plus game kind of in a while. So he's a he's an interesting dude. He, you know, announced yeah. his secret marriage and secret family one time. And then like after after he shot like a 61, everyone's like, what is going on with you, man? He's like, yeah, yeah. this is how I live my life. Like for all we know, he has been preparing for the last five months exclusively to play this event. And he's going to go ruin this course. So I, I agree. Anytime I see someone who Hideki Matsuyama in terms of talent, top five or six guy, you catch him like 12 to 15 on a gambling board. I think you got to take him. I love that pick. Yeah, and he and he's and he's like 35 to one, 33, 35 to one. Uh, and and some, like you said, he hadn't been playing well this year, and he had that injured wrist. But the last two, he's finished in the top 20. And then he also was playing like garbage last year at some point, and actually leading up to the U.S. Open, and he finished in second last year, kind of out of nowhere. He was. Like people were Brian Harmon was there and um, and Kep, Kepka obviously, but he he had a great finish. So yeah, I think 
you know, you, you look at a U.S. Open, and I think it's it's a very very daunting, um, you know, four days of golf. The way that the USGA sets the golf course up really rewards guys who can hit the ball a long way. With that you know, more of the power game, just because of how uh, penal the rough is set up. And so you look at a par seventy golf course; they lengthened it four hundred and forty six yards this year over the last yeah. time uh, that it was there in 2004. So I think you're going to see guys who have, you know, again, I, I, I mentioned it a lot on the pod, but like, you know, that strokes gained off the tee is going to come uh, in handy uh, on, on this golf course in particular. So I'd look for guys who uh, love guys who, who really hit the ball straight and long. And, and Hideki is certainly one of those guys week in, week out. One more point and, on Hideki. He's a guy who we always talk about is putting. And from what I've, I've observed, at least on Instagram and stuff, like these greens are like, they're not real, right? So I think if you are an excellent putter, I think that I, I think that that advantage is somewhat muted because I think this is just it's such a these greens are so short, they are so wild that that advantage is not exactly what it is, and and where you will be rewarded is strokes gained off the tee, and then strokes gained strokes gained on your well, approach. So you're not three putting, you're two putting. Yeah, and again, and that that's where that maturity thing comes in. So guys like Hideki, who um, you know fits like you said. Has has been there before and and finished high in this event. So so you're not going to have those jitters in the same way that maybe a you know a younger player like Rom who struggles a bit with you know the temper could you know could get away from him. You can make big numbers in the U.S. Open the way they configure the golf course. So I think if guys can keep it in play, that's why I like you know Rose as well. Um, do that long enough period of time and you'll start to pull away from the field. So well, well I actually so I I look at this course a little differently where I think that they. The, if you can drive the ball and overpower it and have one of those weeks like Kepka did last year where he just was straight off the tee and 100 yards further than everyone, you're, you're going to win this. But you looked at last year where you had Brian Harmon, who was one of the shortest players in the field, both physically and off the tee. Uh, he, he was a guy who just didn't – even though the fairways were so wide – he was able to always place it in the fairway where if you were off the fairway, you, you got right. hurt. And the same exact thing was with Tommy Fleetwood where he was like coming into that tournament. He had hit like 87% of his fairways or something like that on the European tour, which is like nine percentage better than the, the uh, highest ever in the history of the European tour. And while he's not far off the tee and he's not necessarily short, but not far off the tee, he was hitting every single fairway. And those guys also have an advantage where if you're just a machine the whole week, uh, you'll you'll not lose. You'll not have those doubles and triples that a Rom or a Ricky may have, or certainly a Phil uh, will have throughout the week. I will say, last year Ricky at the U.S. Open as as card carrying, we love Ricky. We yep. I post on Mike's wall every year for his <laughs> birthday, like a Ricky Fowler annual update. Like that was the most frustrating four hours of Ricky Fowler ever. He so should have won that event. <laughs> he's he's almost as long as Kepka, but he's just a much better iron player and a much better putter. And he did like his his you know two hundred yards in in game was atrocious. I'm just watching the TV and. I think it was Father's Day last year. I think it always falls on Father's Day and was like, like, like barking at the TV. Like, I'm pretty mellow. Yeah. And I was like, Ricky, oh, yeah. God fucking damn it. Like, please <laughs> give me something. All right. So love those kind of who's going to win picks and, and agree. I think that there are, you know, obviously lines are a reflection of, oh, DJ just ruined everyone last week in Memphis. So let's like slash lines on him a ton. I, I agree. Kind of save him for. Uh, a, a Thursday morning pick if if you have different options. Some of the uh, where when I check your Twitter, 
where I always catch you making your hay is, you know, these top five, top 10 sort of picks. Um, talk to us about some of the some of the interesting lines that you have uh, to, to pick up some money to, to kind of lay on, on the big boys. Yeah, so I think one one thing that could really throw this week for a loop is how windy it gets, which could just like throw this total this course into uh, a wild a wild week, and then you have guys who play in the wind really well. And I'm I'm not gonna. Are you taking Leishman? Is this a Leishman lead in? It, it's a <laughs> it's kind of like a grouping of a bunch of guys. Leishman certainly will be if I wake up Thursday morning like at five and I hear that the wind's like forty miles an hour. I'm just throwing Leishman, uh, Hoffman, Norin, all those guys that uh, that play well in wind. I'm throwing those bets out and like Charlie Hoffman, good to have in your back pocket. I mean the guy has been playing terribly, but. Every single time there's wind, he finds a way to play well. So he's like 15 to 1 top 10 to have in your back pocket on mm. Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Uh, but some of the longer odds guys, so Patrick Rogers is a guy who I really like. He is a bomber off the tee, and he actually putts really well. He's one of those few guys that actually has those two things. He's just kind of a nutcase with his irons, which who knows? Maybe he figures it out. It, he is 10 to 1 top 20, 22 to 1 top 10, and 40 to 1 top 5, and he's 300 to 1 to win. Uh, that's a guy that I, and he's actually never missed a cut at the U.S. Open, which is a way that I'm spinning the fact that he's one for one at the U.S. Open with the 46th. <laughs> um, so he's a guy who I like. I like that pick. I like that pick. It's interesting, too, like how the weather will affect it. Um, you don't, you don't, you don't, think about it that way as much it's a lot easier to look at it just in sort of a, a vacuum player to player but yeah i mean like we've seen that in years years past i mean even you know we, we were talking about it uh, a couple of weeks ago about you know players who kind of skirt skirt the, the the picks uh i always think about you know the masters and how that's usually rewarding of like like eight to twelve players but you change the weather up a little bit um and uh, all of a sudden, even on a course that well-known, things tend to change. But uh, it should be interesting to see the weather forecast. I haven't taken a look at it, but um, yeah, it's, it's always a dynamic that needs to be adapted to. Well, we were, having yeah. a, we were having an Instagram comment conversation with Dottie Pepper, as we tend to do. And she was, talking about, and she was talking about you know, the wind and like how the wind on this course will just change the game, right? And th- this idea of, oh, like such and such player is a wind player, I think is often like, I rolled at, but it's, it's true. Like it is so true. Like it, it is probably the biggest unknown and uncontrollable in the game of golf. And if you are and, and Mike will often be like, Oh, such and such person is like from the Ledbetter Academy of like, I swing and I swing with X power and it goes so far, you know, wind is such a variable that it turns into a field game. And there are guys who are just better at playing in the wind than others. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and Patrick Rogers is not a name I had thought of, but, um, certainly a compelling option. You got anyone else on the kind of yeah. the, the Patrick Rogers school of, of, you know, not top of mind, but, uh, you know, could sneak yeah. up on people? I'll kind of go like rapid fire. Three guys that I like sort of off value. So Brendan Steele has finished in his in top 15, his last two U.S. Opens. And after having a little bit of a rough patch, he's made his last two cuts. cuts. He's about 20 to one top 10 right now. So I like him as throw throw a dart out there. Then I like the barn rat who I've mentioned before. 
he uh, he's actually played really well recently, uh, with the exception of a miscut his last uh, tournament. But he's played worldwide in a bunch of different uh, types of courses and terrains, and he uh, he's ten to one for a top ten. So he, I, I like him. And then uh, another guy you guys mentioned him on the on the podcast, like why golf is hard a couple weeks ago, <laughs> uh, but young like Ben Ann. So he's actually. Uh, I'll throw out the last miscut as well, and his results are, you know, he has a tw- he has a top 25 at, the, at a U.S. Open already, and he's finished, he finished in that playoff, and the week before that, he was 15th, so for, to get him at, like, a 10 to 1, he, he's kind of, he's actually lowered recently, he's at 8 to 1 now to, as a top 10, I like that, um, and the last guy I'll say, I always do, I always try and find a guy who's odds uh are just skyrocketed high but he's like really low in the world golf rankings like we did mention that pat perez in the masters it didn't really work out but uh satoshi kadaira from japan is 250 to 1 and 25 to 1 as a top 10 he's won on tour before yep like Uh, a month ago yeah and he's actually has a top 20 in his last two starts uh the other one was a miscut but I mean, throw a couple dollars on a guy like fifty to one at top five or twenty-five to one who has a winning winner's pedigree and ranked thirty-fifth in the world right now. Uh, you might as well throw something on him. So I think the barn rat is one of like the most interesting like professional athlete stories going. Right? He's like this Filipino guy, like this massive nation, not known for its sport. Uh, he's like really good at it, but he, he's always like winning after day one and then he kind of disappears except for like, you know, he has enough top fives, top tens where he's rolling up like two million winnings per year and he's making all the WGC events. He's such an interesting guy. He, he is somewhat, he's on like the, and it's a very long list of people who like, if we come back on Monday and it's Barnrat won the U S open. Like yeah. that would be that would be surprising. I don't think it will happen, but it wouldn't blow my mind. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be like Y.E. Yang winning a major or something. But like, oh, yeah, you know, like Barnrat can play. And like if you look at what he's done the last year and a half, like this guy goes out there and he plays WGC events and he's like leading on Friday and he's you know, the guy can the guy can definitely play. So I love these value actually, picks that you do to to kind of pick up a few bucks on the back door because a guy like Barnrat, no your casual it, like we said, lines are a function of, of dollars getting thrown on them. Your your average, you know, Johnny Burger King does not know who Barnrat is, and Barnrat goes out there and just prints top forties, right? And you can and make he, money on that. Yeah. He also so he got a he just recently got his tour exemption for next year, and uh, there was an interview. They kind of were piecing together quotes, but they asked him like what he's most proud of, and he said that he has the only white Ferrari in his entire country. <laughs> It's like, how do you not cheer for that? I love that. Friend uh, of the part, Bonrat. Yeah. Um, and then I'll just say one guy, one other winner that I like who's he's probably my highest odds winner that I'll put more than just like a little bit on it is um, Rafael Cabrera Bello. He's 100 to 1. And he has, he's on fire. He has three straight top 20s. Uh, and he's ranked very high in the world and plays pretty well in wind. He's ranked 24th in the world. And I think he could he could surprise some people. He always is a guy who gets like two eagles on Sunday and sort of backdoors his way into a top five. But uh, 
maybe maybe a hundred to one is worth a, a pretty high ranked player to win. Yeah, he's in like a monster group. Um, I'm trying to pull it up real quick. He's right in now. the Span. I think he's in the Spanish group. He's it's Sergio, uh, RCB, and uh, and Rom. Yeah. And Rom, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, so that'll be fun. A lot of Ole Ole's in, in that right. group. But yeah, no, he's he's uh we've talked about him on the pod, I think, as well, as someone who you know, he's he's a, a sort of type that you see in the in the discussion on Sunday, and you're like, This guy's here a lot. He's a little like Leishman, right? Like he's just kinda he's around a lot and he hasn't won a huge event, but he's always in the discussion. And so for these, you know, top ten, top twenty bets, uh, I love him. Let's throw uh, before we let you go. Let's throw a couple like fun little props at you. I have. Uh, <laughs> I want to know. So Mike has some props for you. I'm just gonna throw three names at you. Tell me what you think in like a sentence or two. Uh, let's start with with kind of the obvious, the biggest story of the week. Phil Mickelson. He's back at Shinnecock. Should have won here in 04. Probably could have won here in '95. And obviously has a lot of history in the U.S. Open. What do you expect from Phil this week? Where do you think he'll finish up? So the last guy in his 40s to. Uh, to win 40 or older to win a U.S. Open is Payne Stewart in 99. And while I think a lot of people are rooting for Phil, especially being in Long Island, I don't think he's going to get it done. These greens ate him alive uh, when Retief Goosen beat him. And Retief Goosen one-putted his last six. So, it, you know, that was almost unfair. But I don't think he gets the Grand Slam done this week. Totally agree. Think he makes the cut? Think he's in the discussion? Or is he, uh, it's not his week? I think he's there on Saturday and then like has his back nine on Saturday, double, double par and can't get a birdie anywhere in there. And the, the doubles are too much to stay in the discussion. Yep. Pains me to say, I think we got, you know, Mike and I are doing our picks uh, in, in a couple minutes here. Uh, I, I don't disagree. I think, you know, optimism doesn't win every day. Uh, let's go with Tiger and then we'll close with Ricky. Uh, all right. So Tiger... I just his why I haven't even mentioned him. His odds are just so high, and I, I would be great. I, we're all rooting for him, but I just well, not all I of us, but yeah, correct. Not all of us. <laughs> uh, some of us are rooting for him, and the Long Island crew is just going to be insane for the Tiger crowd. It'll be fun to watch, but I don't think he gets it done. Valid, and, and talk to me about Ricky. So Ricky. I actually do think he actually he really does have a shot. Uh, I his last two rounds, the or sorry, his last two tournaments, being eighth and fourteenth, and being so close in so many majors, it's it's going to happen at one point. And I, I think that this ter- this tournament actually fits him really well because I think it's a mix between a U.S. Open and a British Open, and he's one of the maybe handful of guys that has the game to win both. I've always said that his first major will be at the British Open, but I wouldn't surprise me to see him win here in a British Open-like course. So I totally agree. He is a... There's a little bit of like a March Madness feel about him right now where everyone's like, oh, check out the hot five seed, right? And like, I'm worried it's going to get in their head and they're going to get bumped by the 12. Like, Ricky played so well in that final round at the Masters. I I think a lot of people are like, this is definitely Ricky's time. This course definitely sets up for him. He hits it so far. And like the things mm-hmm. that have gotten him in trouble are being a little wayward off the tee. Less of a problem here. But he's a great scrambler and he can putt. Like I feel like there's so much like positive chatter around Ricky that I'm I'm sort of 
you know, leaning towards picking against him. But in many, many ways, this is a perfect setup for him. Like all that stuff is true, right? So I I have a hard time thinking about or or deciding where I'm going to land with Ricky. It could happen. Like th- this could be the one. I, I totally agree with you that, that he will he will win like, a, he will win an open championship in his life. And I think the tri-state people love Ricky Fowler as much as they love Phil. They like they like Ricky. They like the likable people. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. They hate Sergio. Ricky I don't know. Fowler I could see win. it. I can see it. Ricky Fowler can win. And we'll get into it when we get into the like you know the breakdown of this. But Ricky Fowler, if you win a player's championship, you play the way he played at the Masters. I mean, you can win any major there is. He's got every shot in the bag. It's a matter of time for Ricky Fowler. It's just that, I don't know, there's a certain intangible there that's been lacking. And um, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. Can I uh, Can I give you guys a, I know you like your trivia. Um, can I, <laughs> Can I give you a trivia question? Yes, go you ahead. can. This can be right. this can be stump Mike. We'll do stump, stump Mike, Mike right now because my stump nice. Mike my stump Mike this week is like it's the most uninspired one I've done yet, and I hate it. So like you I got your, you you I will got your, do stump Mike. I got your Stricker one last week. I was yelling at the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he should have uh, known that. That was an obvious one. Yeah. So can you name the last time a winner of this tournament won in their first attempt? Like Ooh. who who it was. Like their first U.S. Open, and they yeah, won. their first U.S. Open. Oh man, I almost jumped the gun and said Rich Beam with the PGA Championship, but I think both of those were correct <laughs> with Rich. But first U.S. Open for a first-time player, I think I know. I don't know, Lee Jansen. I'm gonna go with Lee Jansen. Can I guess? That's, yeah, that's wrong. That's it. definitely wrong. Does this guy get beaten by his wife when he doesn't play well? <laughs> no. Oh my god. <laughs> I think this is one of the craziest stats. So it's it's Francis we met in 1913. Oh, no way. Isn't that crazy that it hasn't happened since then? I think that's wild. That's unbelievable. Lucas Glover yeah. had played in a US Open before. He was such a nobody. Yeah, what do you guys play. Before. I mean, you can qualify for it, right? You can get exempt into qualify it. as an amateur. He yep. was the fir- <laughs> he's the last guy to I think he was the last guy to qualify and win, actually. So That's you were so badass. Around. We met yeah. also a friend of the pod. No, no, it's a new right. England guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Francis Wimet, definitely a friend of the pod. Definitely a friend of the pod. <laughs> All right. While we're on the topic of some ridiculous stats, let's get into some prop bet stats here. Not really stats, but prop bets and the odds associated with them. All right. Number one, the one we all want to know Will Tiger Woods hit the fairway on his opening tee shot of round one? I'll give like you the zero. odds. I'll give you the odds. Yes, minus 145. No, plus 115. Plus 115. You'd hammer plus 115 on the yeah. no? He He's so bad on the first tee and on the first hole in general. Like He's going to be plus two after the first hole, no doubt. So that's true with the Masters. Like I know that's a thing where I think he's hit like Will three, he hit like well, two he's, iron, though? He's hit like three of 19 Just opening punch fairways. Cut. I, see, here's the thing. It's, a sh- it's the short-ish hole. I mean, it's not a very long hole. But it's a big fairway, long. I mean, every hole in this golf course is long. But do you think he just goes punch cut slider with the two iron just to get off the tee, or is he just going to rip the the big stick? Well, and more importantly, he, now that now that he and Phil are friends, do you think Phil just like rat holes <laughs> money through Tiger and just wins all these <laughs> wins all these backdoor prop bets? Like, 100%. Right, Tiger, look, dog. We know you're not actually going to win, so why don't you hit seven iron off the tee on the first hole and pick us up 100k? And buy ticker CLX. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh man. All right. So can't, you can't prove that, Fitz. <laughs> I know. 
All right, so uh, big four versus the field. All right, the big four being Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, and Jordan Spieth. They're the four best golfers in the world. Last time I checked, they're up there. Uh, big four plus 250, the field minus 300. Which way would you go? I'd probably go plus 250, honestly. that's. I mean, that's not terrible. I think if you were to bet all four, yeah, that I would do bet plus 250. Who are the four? Uh, DJ, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, and Jordan Spieth. So I get Spieth and Thomas and... Well, Spieth's one of them. So you get Thomas, you get... Well, you get everyone we talked about tonight. We haven't talked about any of those guys, basically, except for Day. I'm, I'm, taking, um, I'm taking the I'm field talking. there. Here's, here's a crazy DJ. I'm basically doing it because of DJ. It's like a back way of like hedging yourself a little bit. But in this is like a total golfer stat. Pure Poa Anua and Bentgrass Poa Anua mix. <laughs> I love since this. Two, since 2008. He has eight tour wins, and the next best is Tiger and Phil and Jason Day tied with four. He has four more on this grass. I don't even know what this grass is, but apparently he dominates it. Mike knows. Well, Poa's like, so Poa is, is, it's sort of like a flowering grass. It mixes in with a lot of different stuff, and it can bother players because it's not the purest surface, but it can get really, really, it really bl- fast. It blows, you, it blows up on impact, right? And it does. And the green. Yeah. So it's it, it is a little bit of a different uh, different. If you play in the north, if you well, it's it's creeping further and further south, like Poa's even like gotten into Augusta a little bit, uh, although they'll never admit it. But it's like, um, yeah, it's definitely a different different uh, playing surface. That's an interesting stat. I didn't know that. Steve Bamford is the guy who I follow on Twitter who like always throws those sort of stats out. He's amazing. All right, final prop bet. There's a lot of them out there, but this one actually I'm, I'm quite interested in. Winning score this year. Under par, minus 150. Even par, plus 600. Plus 1 to 2, plus 500. And plus 3 or higher. 3 over or higher is plus 400. Oh, man. that's. I feel like that's I've tough. lost this bet that was, that was in the last lot. six yeah. years, right? So under par, right? Minus 150. I don't know. I mean, it's a tough golf course, but I don't think I'm going that. Even par plus 600, you got to nail it right on the number. I don't know. I like... Yeah, I like the one or two. One to two plus 500. They they like want you to take that, I feel like. To be honest, if I was actually betting this, I would wait till Wednesday night or Thursday morning, see how the wind is, and I'd go either under par or the one to two. I'm not doing the three over or the, you yeah. know, it's not worth it. So the under par thing is interesting to me. I, I think we'll have nice weather here this weekend. And, and by here, I mean Boston, but like close enough to the Hamptons, right? I, so there's no rain. I don't think it'll be like super, super, super windy. Uh, I mean, last year, then Kepka won at what, like 18 under. And all the discussion about Shinny this week has been about how obscenely unfair it was in 04, where they were like watering the greens mid round. So and they've set up the fairways nice and wide. I I, I gotta think that that there's some birdies out there, right? If you're in a nice wide kind of linksish fairway, you think about a, a guy like Kepka or a guy like DJ. I would suspect. I know there's not a ton of par fives on this course. I think there's only two, but like they're probably birdieing that every time, right? So let's even call it like two thirds of the time. So that's that's five under. So you're basically in the rest of the course. Can you be near par? I think our winner is going to be under par. Like this one of all the props to me feels like the one that I'm most likely to touch because uh, again, I just think that you have, you've made the fairways wide and we're walking into this, this tournament with an understanding that the greens need to be 
not welcoming, but at least not so punitive. I mean, people the the O four the O four U.S. Open that Phil lost. Like again, as the as the as the Phil guy here, I know this. Phil on a par three deliberately hit into a greenside bunker because he was like, to make par here, the simplest play is to hit into the bunker, then get up and down. That is the that's so- such a, that is, that is such the, a I know, but like such he, a douchebag. But even, but even, <laughs> fine. But even like his playing partner was like, no, I heard him talking about it with with bones on the no, tees. Like I'm gonna put it in that, the green so that I can him. softly land it and get up and down. Right, and he was playing. I think it was with Goosen, and Goosen made a four. And Goosen's like, I hit the green, I put exactly where I wanted to, and it bounced off the back, and I couldn't get up and down. And now Goosen obviously won. He like putted his his brains out that last round. But that's like a thing, right? And so I, I think you have, you know, Mike Davis and all the folks who who are in charge of this who have been known for being, you know, overly punitive and, and they got hammered on Shinnecock 04. So I would expect that, that, that some of these greens, not approachable per se, but, you know, if, if you're reaching in regulation, you're going to get out of there with a par. I feel, I feel strongly about the winner being under par this week. Like this so is I, the bet that I, I find the most interesting. That's why I asked Mike to bring it up because this one looks like yeah. a, a winner to me. But don't you think that there's a big piece of the fact that people aren't, the general fan isn't remembering 04 and they're instead remembering last year where these guys tore the course up and yeah. like PGA is like too proud for everything and they're just going to put this course to its to its max. Well, that's and what maybe I thought. It is 04. Like, yeah, like y- you have to remember the USGA are a bunch of like, I mean, these guys pride themselves on whether it's a USAM or US Open, they pride themselves on being the most difficult tournament out there they like scores over par right yeah and the joke always was like okay well the masters is under par the uh the pga championship is like really under par and then you have the u.s open and the british open kind of go toe to toe for like who's the biggest baddest out there but the british really needs weather and the u.s open doesn't because it has sadistic people at the usj that want to make you know eight and a half inch rough and um lengthen the golf course to its to its max right and so you, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this golf course is particularly, you know, is that hard, but ah, you can never bet against the guys at the USGA to do something crazy where, you know, a bunch of guys are over par for one or two days. That could be the difference between being, you know, one under and one over, and, and there's your prop bet right there. I mean, Shinnecock did play minus four last time. Yeah. Anyway, um, I believe. I don't right. know. Well, I, we, uh, I guess we'll see. I, I personally love the, the under par on that one, but you've given us a lot to think about. That's uh, right. We, we really appreciate it. Um, I, have to, I have to dig you with this before we hang up because friends of the pod, I heard you missed dinner with, uh, with Dave and Pete recently, and they asked me to, <laughs> they asked you to remind you of that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, they gave me the invite like a minute before <laughs> in classic Dave fashion. Classic Dave. Fat. Well, Dave's a father now, and Dave Dave is very busy and, and whatever. Uh, I was in Austin. I was in Austin two weekends ago, man. I thought of you. Reliving the, the Pete batch? Re- reliving Nebels Fest. Uh, nebs, nebs. That's a fun town. I did not go to the Days Inn to check in on the renovation of the lobby, but I'm sure it's excellent. But uh, <laughs> you were you were missed. Um, Fitz, always, man, always a, a good time talking to you. Uh, for the listeners, better golfer, better with an O, golfer spelled the usual way on twitter if you want to win some money fitzy's got you fitzy we'll talk to you soon for the british man and thank you for coming on we know it's of course uh, it's, 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 I a, really it's a school it. night and we we love having you on <laughs>
Yeah, I love your guys' show, so keep up the awesome work. I, I listen every single week, so thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thanks, right. Fitz. Bye. Bye, bud. All right, so we, we've, we've heard from Fitz, uh, and, and Fitz is the empirical kind of way to make money here. Let's, let's go, you and I, about our own, uh, our own personal biases here. Quickly, like we, we asked Fitz about Phil, uh, about Tiger, and, and about Ricky Fowler. I pick those three because they seem to be particularly vogue, you know, topics at the moment. Phil, for obvious reasons, he is, you know, a, a you know six-time runner-up at this event. He has done well at Shinnecock. He has played well in the tri-state area. Mm-hmm. There is no bigger Phil fan than me. I'm sure there are, <laughs> but like there are a few. Um, it's just hard at this point, and this is sort of the reality that I'm like hoping you reach with Tiger at some point. Like, I just can't in any given week look you in the eye and tell you that Phil Mickelson is gonna win this week if Phil Mickelson wins a US Open this is definitely one of his like remaining one or two opportunities to do it but I wonder and I worry if he has made such a big deal out of winning the US Open that it's just it's this insurmountable thing it's like when people are afraid of heights or they're afraid of something it's just it's because they start to be scared of the fear of the unknown right. i wonder i wonder if phil is just like fuck i might never win this event so like anytime i'm in like an uncomfortable yeah. lie or something or like the wind picks up on a tee like i'm scared out of my mind he's not and he's not playing his game so like yeah. is phil one of the best 20 players in the world and does he have a chance to win this week like, sure, will he have a lot of crowd support? Sure. But if Phil goes out and plays scared, you know, he's going to shoot a 75 on Thursday and we're going to move on. And like the World Cup starts Friday, like Thursday. We, like there's lots else going on. I think the world will move on quickly if Phil is a bad day. Yeah, but there's the, the other side of that, that coin is Phil's never been the, that player. He's never been the pick to win anything because the peak of his career overlapped with Tigers. And he always kind of had that. I don't want to call it a chip on his shoulder because I don't think Phil carries chips well, on his shoulder. Well, wing foot, for the record, would have been his third major in a row. Well, there's, that's different, though, than like, yes, he's come close. And yes, he's never won. And yes, he should have won in the past. But I don't feel like anyone's saying, you know, the pressure's too high on Phil. I, I actually think quite the opposite, that, that maybe the, the pressure's finally down to a position where he can lurk in the shadows a little more in a U.S. Open. I know that he's second-guessed his own abilities, and we disagreed with that position on the pod. You know, he said he had to win to really be in contention at the Masters, and he did win, and you know, had a, you know not the most impressive showing there. Um, but I think Phil Mickelson will win a U.S. Open. I don't think his career is over, unless, of course, he, he, he's looking at retiring. There's no part of his game um, that's ever particularly relied on power and strength, the parts of the game that go first. Guys that like you look at you look at Jack Nicholas when he won his masters when he was 49 years old. Um, it was because he was Jack Nicholas and he had just an incredible ability to hit the ball close, and also his short game was phenomenal. And, that, and that's Phil Mickelson. I'm not saying he's Jack Nicholas, of course, but Phil Mickelson can definitely win this golf tournament. And to your point, like those off years where it's not, you know, a, a Kepka hitting it a six million miles off the tee and hitting every fairway, um, you have a situation where a guy like Phil can actually compete. So I think you're right. I think, I think mental, um, you know, his mental state throughout the round, throughout the four rounds are really going to be, is really going to be important for him. But 
I do think he can compete here. I think he's a great sleeper pick this year. And I think, you know, the fact that he knows he's running out of years may be a motivating factor to just step up and, you know, and be that aggressive player that's won him and lost him so many tournaments over the years. And maybe this year, you know, the dice just bounces in his favor. Um, but again, it's a, it's, an, it's a major, it's an open, and that, that's sometimes all it takes. Perhaps. I, I, I remember I picked Phil to win in Mexico, and mm-hmm. I think that's the only time I've taken him to win. And part of the thought process behind that was like, this will be the biggest mental test of the year for a lot of these players. There's a lot of math going on. You have elevation change at elevation, a lot of scrambling. Distance will not be at a premium this week because everyone can touch 350 off the tee because we're playing at, you know, 8,000 feet or whatever. Um, and like that was a, that was, you know, a fortunate pick. Like obviously I didn't like, you know, I wouldn't like nail myself to the cross that he was going to win that week, but he did. But it, like it was born out of this idea that like this suits him, right? I think about Shinnecock and I think that there's just, there's a lot of like, oh, well, the fans love him and he played well here 13 years ago when the course was 450 yards shorter. Right. And Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka and, you know, Jordan Spieth, like, weren't in the field and John Rahm. Like, I just, I think that was a lifetime ago. No one loves Phil as much as I do. I just don't, I can't honestly tell you that like if he went and just like played John Rom all week, I think John Rom beats him. I think John Rom yeah. thumps him. He's just like further off the tee. He's just if you can scramble and and do your thing, like basically, then the value becomes: can you mash it, not out of bounds? If the conditions get tough, Phil makes it to the weekend within five, four or five shots of the lead. I like Phil over some of those younger players for exactly that reason because he's been there before. Um, you're right. These 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 once very young players are now quite mature um, in their major championship experience. But uh, I don't know. Phil's got some tricks up his sleeve still. And by the way, he's plus three thousand to win. So might be worth throwing a couple of bucks. That's on a little just, high. I remember when, <laughs> when we were talking about Michigan versus Villanova. I think I told you I was like, if Michigan makes their three pointers, we're going to kill you. And you were like, that's the dumbest, most obvious thing I've ever heard in my life. And then Michigan, I think, went like three for 29 from three, right? And you ended up winning by 11. Right. And it's like, all right, in a normal world where we go seven for 30 from three, we just win, yeah. right? And like, it, it's the most obvious, dumb, <laughs> yeah. reductive statement of all time. But like, if Phil. That's a is, binary thing, though. No, for sure, right? Not. And so that's a little different. But like, if yeah. Phil is, if Phil is under par after day one, Phil will come in the top five. And I think if Phil, but, but, but I think Phil, if Phil can could, get to top Phil five, he can win the tournament. So I totally agree. Right. So like in this, because again, it's a U.S. Open, because I don't think Dustin Johnson this is, is going to be able to do what he did. Right. And so this is what I'm saying. Like, this is such a simplistic, obvious statement. If Phil goes under par on Thursday, Phil's in the hunt Sunday. Completely agree. If Phil's over par Thursday, it's all over. he's like coming in like yep. 77th place. Yep, totally agree. Okay. Um, let's spend, because I know this is a long super mega pod, let's spend like <laughs> three minutes on Tiger and then I want to talk about Ricky Fowler because it's sure. a compelling story. I'll give you my one minute on Tiger. Everyone's talking about Tiger. It's been 10 years since he won, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I just, I don't think this course suits him. I, I don't, I'm aware of like my Tiger hater stuff. Tiger is prone to the blow up. Tiger is prone to a drive out of bounds here and there. Um, Tiger has not shown me enough like scrambling and rescuing himself to make up for the fact that he will hit three balls out of bounds um, on Thursday and Friday. I just, you know, will he make the cut? Maybe. Will he compete? 
uh, no, I, 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 I really don't see it going well for Tiger this week. And he's also in like a mega group with a lot of people following him around. And it's like yeah. a fillish crowd. I don't know. Like, I, I think people are happy no, that Tiger's it's back. It's not going to be a full crowd with Tiger. Not, well, well, not, not like in, in New not, York. Not in that not, little group. Well, New York loves Phil. But they love Tiger more. And I um, I hate to say let, that. Let's not get into this. But like, I think anyway, as a, as a course layout, we're asking Tiger now to hit like three and four irons into obscenely hard to hold greens and his problem has been proximity to the flag and he's not chipping or scrambling or putting extremely well. So I just, I don't know. I think that this will sound very tiger haterish. I just, I don't expect a ton of tiger. I, I I'll just put it on record here. I think tiger misses the cut. This course is not made for him. See, I think tiger will make the cut. I think he'll do well. Um, the, the the one question we're going to have about tiger is can he control the one aspect of his game that's killed him over the years, which is the driver. It's a weapon for him. He has one of the highest ball speeds in the PGA Tour. Um, you know, this year, miraculously come back. Obviously, we've talked about it a bunch. His swing's been rebuilt. Uh, it is also <laughs> somehow faster and stronger than it was before. And, uh, you know, that being said, the temptation's going to be there with these, these, these wide, long fairways and these very long holes you know, to your point, he, his irons haven't been strong this year, so he's going to want that extra, you know, club and a half, two clubs if he really pipes one. And if he steps on the driver a couple of times and he really, you know, hits it out of play, that's going to cost him huge. You know, you, you miss a fairway at a U.S. Open, you're probably going to miss the green. You're not going to be able to get it close. And that's what's killed Tiger this year is he can't get his irons close enough. His putting hasn't been good enough to make the birdies required. Um, and so all of a sudden, a bogey is something that actually keeps you at over par um, that becomes hard to make cuts etc 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 so if Tiger can keep his game in check play by the book um, keep himself in contention and then make a run then open it up on the weekend I think Tiger can actually do quite well so I'm going to pick him to be at least a top 10 and um, maybe win one because you know what if Tiger's in the in the hunt on Sunday you know this I know this the American people know this. It's going to be appointment television. It's going to be the story in sports. If Tiger wins this week, it'll be the biggest sport. It'll be the biggest sports story of the year. And uh, who knows? Maybe the last five, maybe the last 10. If Tiger wins, it'd be an unbelievable comeback. And you can't not root for him. I know you don't like Tiger, but you cannot root for this guy this week. It's the U.S. Open. It's the biggest stage in golf. And um yeah, and it's one I think he can win. I think he has a better chance this week than he did at the Masters. Uh, obviously, he's not playing great, but we shall see. That's why they go play it, man. That's why they go play it. Yeah, my pushback on Tiger is this idea like, oh, wouldn't it be great if he won? And it's like, yeah, I'm not sure, but like, it'd be fun if like L's won. You're but, bet, like, you're, but like, it's not going to happen. You, but, okay, but Tiger can win. But this I can sit here and tell you like, Phil Phil has all these like structural limitations that are going to prevent him from winning and like the emotions of this you know oh they're like the emotions of Phil winning the US Open this year his birthday is on Saturday it's at Shinnecock where he got fucked in 04 like blah 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 like and he should have won a 95 too and like all this that and the other and I'm here I'm sitting here and I'm saying all those things are true but like he's not going to win this week right and what I get out of Tiger people is well, I mean, I don't know. He's like, he's, he's like definitely going to win. It's like, well, based on what? Like, b- based on legitimately what? And grit. it's nothing. And it's this idea that... What grit? <laughs> it's Tiger Woods. You, you, you can't 
ever bet against the guy in a major because he just wants to, to kill you. You know, we talked about it last week. Has Tiger kind of lost? Maybe it was, yeah, it was the memorial preview. We were talking about how Jack, um, I know it was, it was the post memorial. Jack said Tiger may have sort of lost his killer instinct. And maybe, maybe with that goes the player we all remember as Tiger. And I think that maybe there is a shred of truth to that week in, week out on the PGA Tour. But I think for the majors and what, and what Tiger gets out of bed in the morning for has always been majors. And honestly, um, look, I don't think Tiger's chasing the jack number the way he probably used to. But this is a golf course Tiger can play well on if he hits the driver. Okay. He's got to keep it in play. Um, and if he can do that and the putting comes around. And again, that's another question mark. But he's good enough. He's hitting it far enough to have an advantage over a guy like Phil. Phil's going to have to hit it really, really well and not make a lot of mistakes. Tiger can make birdies out here. And you know, look, it's a huge question mark. I understand that. Is there obviously a bias there? A hundred percent. But my heart tells me Tiger makes the cut and does well this weekend. But the reason that you and I are who we are is because we are able to process what our heart tells us. We're talking and about run it, run it through a prism of, of reality. The reason Tiger and Phil are in this conversation is because of that. They're not picks this week on anyone's board. Well, Phil's sixth in the FedEx Cup. So he's like any one. He's plus 3,000. He's 300 to one. I don't give a fuck what Vegas says. I think that the scoreboard of the season says that Phil is in sixth place. And the scoreboard of the season tells me that Phil won an event, you know, 11 weeks ago. Whereas Tiger Woods is like 55th Tiger's in the FedEx Cup. Tiger's 1,800 to zero. Cool. Like, good. I just like... I. The, the idea of odds being in any way reflective of someone's likelihood to win wasn't Tiger Woods' favorite? 18 to 1, favorite? 300 to 1. Right, so that's 180 to 1, 300 to 1. Sorry. That's 18 and 18 30, and 30 to 1. Sorry. Yeah, those are all bet off. Those are all lined off of 100. So, look, I, I think that they're, you know, we, we just talked about this with, with Fitz. Like, the lines are a function of where money is going. They're not a reflection of like who's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. going to win. Like no one knows who Tommy Fleetwood is in Las Vegas. So Tommy Fleetwood is always going to be a bargain buy, right? Tiger and Phil are always going to be uh, premium buys. Like they're going to be overweighted. My point is, and this is, you know, part of a larger like Tiger fandom thing, but I, I just, I don't think objectively personally you could look at this course and how he's played and think he'll do well. Like, I really don't know how you would think that. And I look at Phil and I think, okay, he's had some, he's had some ups and downs. He's won not that long ago and he's played well here in, and he's going to have all this sentiment behind him. In spite of that, I still don't think he'll win. Right. Right. And I, I guess I would just like to see the tiger, side of this yin and yang say yep in spite of all of the sentiment and things i want to see i just don't see it this week because it's like it's so glaringly obvious that this course is not made for tiger woods top but it's 10. fine I, I won't make you do it all top right. 10 top 10 book it. all right time boxing this to 20 seconds ricky fowler top 10 and that's it i mean it doesn't make any sense to me why Ricky hasn't performed. Hasn't he has performed? We just talked about that. He's performed. He hasn't won. 
I don't know what it is about Ricky Fowler where he, he hasn't won one of these things, but again, it's a golf course he can win. Um, I, I don't want to say that he just doesn't have it in all the right places enough to beat these guys, but you'd think it happened once in his career. Uh, I know he's still a young player and he's got a lot um, ahead of him. Just got engaged, so so he's probably fired up. And uh, <laughs> you did know, you, did you play better or worse after you got engaged? Better, absolutely. All right, so it's a weight. It's a big weight. There you go off so your shoulders. Mark you get Ricky that, for the win. That um, ring burning a hole in your pocket, and you want to get it out of there. So there you go. Okay, uh, let's do our picks. So uh, I spent a lot of time weighing the person I'm picking against Ricky Fowler. I want Ricky Fowler to win. Ricky Fowler just has too much of a he's hot at the moment because he played really well at the Masters kind of vibe about him at the moment. I think this course suits him extremely well. It will he can survive the wayward tee shot. He can just like rip driver the whole time and not hit three wood. And and he's a fantastic iron player and a phenomenal putter. He's obviously put in his time to understand this course. I would almost guarantee that Ricky Fowler is a top 10 guy. I think Brooks Kepka is going to win. Uh, Brooks Kepka exposed um, exposed the course last year um, with the widest fairways ever, and he basically just like closed his eyes and hit it as far as he could, and then just like wedged and put his way to victory. And he shot like a what sixty what five on Sunday, did everything he needed to do, and then he got hurt, and he's kind of been you know an imperfect specimen since that point. But since he's come back, he's had like two sub 63 rounds. He's definitely shown flashes of brilliance. He is as long off the tee as anybody. He's basically the closest equivalent that we have to DJ, um, although probably a better, you know, wedge player and putter. Um, I, I view this test this week as a contest of who can pound it relatively straight and then kind of clean up, right, and, and eliminate the... Uh, eliminate this kind of blow up risk of like quads and triples and whatever. And Kepka, since he's demonstrated that he's healthy and that he's passed this wrist injury, has been as good as anyone on yeah, the tour. No question. Defending champ. He's also free of the super group. So we have all these like wild super groups where we have, you know, Rory and Phil and Spieth playing together. We got like Tiger and JT and DJ playing together. I can't recall a major champion with less pressure on them than Brooks Kepka. Like, I don't think anyone cares about Brooks Kepka right now. No one's thinking about him. Yeah. He's a total afterthought, which is absurd for a guy who's one of the sixth or seventh best players. And your rounds count the same on Thursday and Friday no as question. they do on Saturday and Sunday. We saw it with Webb Simpson. And when Brooks Kepka is five under on Saturday morning and someone else is even, right, and they're playing in the final group, Kepka's like, I'm on cruise control. Yeah. No one bothered me Thursday, Friday. I'm playing well. I'm fresh. I'm the defending champ. I've done this before. And they're not like the same, but they're similar. Um, I really like Kepka. I think like no one's touching Kepka this week. I think people have very quickly, like before Kepka won his his major, Kepka was still like a President's Cup, Ryder Cup caliber mm-hmm. player, right? And he got his win. Everyone's like, oh, like, is this the future of Kepka? And then he got hurt and people kind of forgot about him. Right. Imagine if JT like hurt his wrist and then didn't play over the last six months. Everyone's right. like, oh, we forgot about JT. JT has all the talent in the world, right? I think Kepka has all the talent in the world, has demonstrated time and time again that he has it. Um, so I know this is this is on the bolder side of, of picks that I've made. Um, Kepka's got all the game in the world. Kepka is one of the five or six best American players. Kepka is the defending champ. Kepka 
bombs it, gouges it, can putt, has been here before, laid back, no pressure. Brooks Kepka is going to win. I I love that pick. Uh, I, I like we like we talked about with Fitz. I think I think this golf course is set up. I mean, they've they've lengthened it, right? I mean, anytime you lengthen a golf course, and the way the USGA is going to set it up, it's going to reward guys that hit it straight. When Kepka won, he hit it straight, and he hit it very very far. Uh, you combine those two things, and it's a huge advantage over the rest of the field. And there aren't a whole lot of guys in the field that can uh, you know keep up with with him. So. I love that pick, Matt. Um, I, I'm going to go in the same same realm. Like, there's two guys I really like for um, for the U.S. Open this year. The one being John Rahm. I think John Rahm's a young player. He's got a lot of fire, a lot of passion. Um, I think he has improved dramatically over the years. I just think in this event, he's going to be very susceptible to his temper. We saw it the last three weeks. He's played uh, it flare up at one point in the events, and you know you just can't let that get to your you know get into your head. And I think. Um, you know, I think he'll be in it. I think he'll make a couple of bad doubles. You know, he, he makes more birdies on the tour than any other player, which gives him obviously that firepower you need uh, to make up for the bogeys you're inevitably going to have. But you have to understand in the U.S. Open that they're going to come. You, you can't play a U.S. Open bogey-free for the most part. And so can you handle that when it happens? And I think, I think Rom will struggle there. So I think he'll do very well. I think he's just not well enough to win. The guy I think is going to win... No surprises here is Dustin Johnson. Um, you know, when he won his U.S. Open at Oakmont, that was another long golf course, incredibly long golf course with incredibly penal rough um, and, you know, penalties all around if you did hit it in bunkers or, or you know, significantly out of play. I think he's got, he's got the confidence at the moment with his swing. I love the way he's putting it now. You know, obviously he, he's not the best putter in the world, um, but he's got a new putter and uh, it's, it's, it's performing well for him. And the results speak for itself. I mean, last week, if you looked for a tune-up, what better way than do it in the fashion he did? It's He's got you know that, that little bit of an advantage given the field, kind of seeing that and watching that and knowing that that's in the bag for him. So there's a little bit of an extra player out there, an extra man off the bench uh, for DJ, and I think he's going to pull it off this weekend. There used to be a thing on ESPN.com like before March Madness, and it would say, like, why your team won't win. It was some LES Sports Bureau thing, and they'd be like, well, you know, Michigan is, you know, no six seed has won from the, yeah. the, the Midwest bracket um, having won less than 24 games and not beating Wisconsin on the road in the month of February. It was some, like, elaborate, like, string of reasons, right? right? And there was a stat that, like, no one has won the U.S. Open having won the tournament the week before ever. Um, and we talked on one of the original pods about the the planning of different players to either play or not play you know go practice or go play an actual event like what it means right the dj like barn animal thing you know i I don't think he cares about these things he just shows up and he plays Right. right and i don't think there's any question that this course sets up extremely well for dj um well, you could say like the the demons though. Like if you looked at a guy like DJ, you're like, look, a lot of players who had those close, you know, those those close brushes with victory and then have it ripped away the way that DJ had. Most of those guys never recover, only because most people don't fucking win these things, right? Like the sample set is so small, and DJ is that player that really just I don't think gives a shit. But about like the U.S. Open was st- built for DJ, statistics. like a guy who can pound it and like kind yeah. of finesse his way in as opposed to someone, you know, the Masters was like, Augusta National was made for Jordan Spieth. Yes. A guy who doesn't pound the ball, right? 
um, the PGA Championship was was is, is probably made for uh, I don't know, kind of your fringy player who can get hot, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like this make great, a lot of birdies. It, it's yeah. this great equalizer event. Yep. The British Open, I think, is for people who can you know not double anything, mm-hmm. keep it in um, play, flight the yeah, ball. Yeah, and the U.S. Open is for someone who can like go and jailbreak that event. Right. And and DJ is kind and, of the most jailbreaky player. And that again, there is, like, right? like no one, no one is longer than him. And despite what the what the tour or what the the uh, the USGA tries to do, I mean, you're right. Like ever since Tiger came out and they tiger-proof golf courses and they added all this length and they raised the rough. The fact of the matter remains, I can still hit it in the rough if I'm hitting it, you know, 285. And if I hit it in the rough 285 on this golf course, I now have to hit four iron from that rough which means I'm not doing that. I'm hitting, you know, wedge or eight iron to get it back in play. But DJ is 100 yards ahead of that. Uh, not 100 yards, but 65 yards ahead of that. He's hitting wedge. And maybe he can shake that on. And, and I think he's, he has such an advantage that you almost have to make the golf course unplayable to really bring him back to reality if he's playing at his top, top tier, which he is right now. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I, if he's not in the, in the last group on Sunday, it'll be because of some sort of, you know, bad string of holes or, or, or a freak, you know, double or quad or something like that that happens at the wrong moment. But if Dustin Johnson keeps the ball remotely on the planet, he's going to already be at a four or five shot advantage over most of the field, which means those eight to 10 guys who can hit it with him or remotely with him have to play at the top tier too. And for me, I just think, I don't know, I just I, like, I, I love, I, I love the pick this week. Um, Purely because of how well he's hitting the driver. Don't apologize. Uh, DFL, we'll keep it quick. This is a long pod. Uh, Matt Parzial. Uh, Pars. We, we love, Friend of the pod. We love Pars. Like, uh, I had 100 different options to pick from. There's 18 amateurs. There's a bunch of people that, like, qualified in. There's, like, you know, this, that, and the other, right? Um, we like him. Pride of Massachusetts. Firefighter. Good guy. Um, has had, you know, his moment in the sun at the Masters, you know, playing a practice round with Tiger. Now playing the U.S. Open, I, I I don't think it's offensive to say that Matt Parzial will not make the cut. Um, but Matt Parzial is living the dream. He's the pride of Massachusetts uh, for this event, and uh, and we love him. So I'm I'm DFLing him so that I can give him a shout out and further his time in the limelight, further his 15 minutes. Good for you, Matt Parzial. You are l- legitimately living the dream of so many people. So go do your thing. Um, you'll probably not make the cut and you might come in DFL, but everyone, everyone, everyone <laughs> is cheering for you and we love you at the alternate shot. Matt Parzial. It's a great non DFL pick there. DFL. I pick, think he'll come in DFL. Him. Like I think he'll come in last place. My DFL pick is Garrett rank full-time NHL referee tip of the cap. He came back from, uh, from cancer. We love that. this guy. This is an incredible story. Incredible story. Um, I just love the fact that he's an NHL referee. Tell it, fam. So Tell cool. it. Um, again, you know, qualified in and it's just, I mean, this is what makes the U S open the U S open, but it is the U S open and, um, it's not been kind historically to guys such as Garrett rank. And I just think, uh, we may see him down there at the bottom, but also rooting for him. Um, and it'd be really cool to see him just kick the shit out of it this weekend uh, and get into the weekend. So we're rooting for him, but, uh, don't yeah, think it's good. D- DFL has become a like a, a home for we love you, but right, a chance to talk about a guy that you know probably isn't in contention, but uh, yeah, gets into the. There pot. was like the Silicon Valley when they were like bitching about 
Richard, the CEO, and they were like, Richard is great, but you know. And they just came up with this <laughs> acronym of like Rigby, R-I-G-B-Y, and they'd be like, Rigby, fuck that guy, Rigby. <laughs> like, Richard is great, but like, fuck him. Uh, DFL is becoming like a Rigby. <laughs> Matt Parziel, <laughs> Rigby. No, we love him, and uh, and we love all our DFL picks. I, I think we actually love all of our DFL picks. As I, as I scroll up, I DFL Tiger one time, and like I didn't totally mean that. I DFL Danny Willett. I don't like him, but like I don't think there's anyone we actually felt L's. I DFL yeah, Daily. We don't guys. It's I love. not that we yeah. don't like these people. Yeah. Smiley, we love Smiley, but we do love Smiley. Rank, you're better than Smiley. We know that, man. Don't don't take that personally. All right, so this is the one year anniversary of the pod, and we we definitely kicked around like what could we talk about we. You know, ultimately, I think landed on it would be self-indulgent to make like a, a whole episode about it. A master cut. Having said that, um, it's been a year. It's been a fun year. I'd uh, say not not to not to overdo this, but it's been a it's been a loaded year. It has for the, for for this half of the mic, and and we, I uh, I we. I appreciate the the time and the yeah. you know all that's gone into this. It's. Um, I love the pod and I, I love the pod because I like doing it with you. I like the, I like yeah. the, the, obviously the topic, but it's, uh, it's, we started it's, it's this been thing so fun and we started it, uh, for with a number, an idea. A, a number of reasons, but it's been, uh, it's been great. I love the pod and, and I, this has been a great year and I'm just, I'm grateful that we've done it. I'm grateful for you for, for doing it and hosting every week. So we, we thought it'd be fun. Um, to do a couple things, I think that we have the first pod ever intro saved, and we can cue it up and laugh at it. Um, <laughs> and I thought it'd be fun to just kind of top your head, like, you know, let's go through kind of the the highlights and lowlights of of the year, uh, and and splice some stuff in because it's it's been a wild it's been a wild year. Um, it's been a lot of fun. So a, a year of the pod retrospective, I think it deserves a couple minutes. Yeah, we started the pod with. Uh you know, a hope and a prayer and some borrowed microphones and uh, no idea what the hell we were doing or even how to do a podcast or how you even get it on <laughs> get it on iTunes or all of the things we have learned over the years. But I, I have to say it's been one of the one of the highlights of my weeks um, for a year now. And, uh, you know, tip of the cap to you, Matt, for doing all the hard work you do prepping and, uh, you know, doing the play by play every single week. Not all the tournaments are as uh, as exciting as others, but we pulled it off. And well, uh, we we DNW'd like the Canadian Open last year, and we were trying to make the pod agenda. And I was like, "What the fuck are we gonna do? <laughs> Everyone's gonna know. No one knew. <laughs> Nobody knew know. that we didn't watch it. I so. bet people knew. Did um, they know? You think? I mean, probably. We well, we were at Manor Hall. Like we were yeah, busy. Like we what are you busy. gonna do? Um, so we're gonna get into this, as Matt said, a retrospective, and we're gonna play one of our. Uh, a pod we've encouraged many people to never listen to, which is our very first pod. Uh, it's called Hello World. And um, maybe you'll notice a difference in the quality and, and preparation, but it's fun to get back into it. All right. So welcome to the first episode of the <laughs> Ultimate Shop podcast. I'm here with Britt. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I keep forgetting that you have the alias and, and we don't. I'm, I'm here with the B-Dog. First of all, are you going to call me Britt? Like, I say my name. I cut myself out before saying Britta. Good. Yeah. Okay. I'm Mike. I'm B-Dog. I'm Matt. Welcome to the Alternate Shot Podcast. 
The first. The old double intro so there. bad. It's so bad. So if you notice, there's a little bit of like a blip in the audio, and that's because again we had no idea how to record audio at that point, and so we just plugged a bunch of stuff into my computer and hit the red circular button and hoped for the best, and uh, it didn't didn't go very well. The first of many. The point of this podcast is to. It's weird. The first of many. I don't think we realized how many pods we've done. I think we've done forty-two or you 40, sound so much like pods. Tim in that too. I know. Was that young? So Britta said, said hi, and then she never came on the pot again. Brit is the CEO of um, B-Dog Media, which is our holding, our holding company. And um, she's nine feet away, not acknowledging the pot. That's right. She's been uh, a fearless leader. Mute. She, yep, overlooks us. Scrolling through Instagram. Her, yeah, from the, from the top floor of the tower. Come say hi. Top floor of the pod, uh, the pod Kano. Come say hi. We're doing our year one retrospective. The B dog. So we have the B dog here, uh, CEO of Alternate Shot Media, aka B dog Media. Everything that you're hearing every week comes directly from me. I write every <laughs> script, every agenda, and I direct this from our apartment every Monday or Tuesday, depending on our schedules. So I'd like to give a shout out to myself. Well, we we can't give enough thanks to to the B dog. It for, couldn't be for possible for being, for being the, the CEO. For being the CEO of the operation in general, and and just more broadly for putting up with putting up with this. That's right. Because it's it's a whole thing. It is. It's a whole thing. We're just gonna throw three topics back and forth. (laughs) Is that the initial format? Yeah, we'll see. You know, I think we can. Was that the format? We can do whatever we want. We can uh, talk about two things. We talk about ten things. There could be three things this week. But I think in general, we'll we'll talk golf. We'll talk news. We'll talk. We'll recap tournaments. We'll preview upcoming tournaments. We'll talk about Tiger and Phil. And Ricky, yep. <laughs> that we actually have too. exactly. We were so young. We were so young. Yeah. So I guess it's a good week to get started, seeing as we have the U.S. Open coming up. I think it's the biggest major, the biggest major of the year. Probably not the most important to all the players, um, but certainly it's. I think it's the biggest challenge. It's <laughs> why it's always fun to look at. Um, all right. So that, that was our year. that was our intro intro. Um, One year ago, the U.S. Open preview. Hello, world. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, here we are was, a year later. Which was a, a good pun for the. I think that set the table nicely. It for, did for who we are as a pod. Like, if you follow golf, and you know, I hate Tiger Woods, but even <laughs> I know that there was that Hello World was Tiger Woods' introductory right. commercial, and you know, we've grown and it's become a thing, and it's like there's there's a little bit of Instagram, you know, noise yeah. going on. We're talking to talking to Bryce and talking to Dottie, you know, no big deal, but. Uh, but no, actually, like it's it's become a fun creative outlet. I think for us, we have like normal jobs and are generally normal people. And um, yeah, I think one of the it's things, funny how much better we sound. And I think one of the things that we I think we both learned is that you know we don't do this for fame and fortune. Obviously, uh, we yet. love we love the game. Yet. No, but we love the game. I think what's cool about golf is that it is it is that type of thing. It's accessible. People can play it. And then when you get into it, you get kind of hooked into it. And uh, if you love the game the way we love the game, um, I think a lot of the stuff we try to talk about is relatable. Who's playing well? Who's not? Um, <laughs> your weekly reminder of why golf is hard, something we all figure out every weekend when we go bash it. But yeah, just thanks to everyone, all the listeners and all the people that, that help make this possible. Um, it's fun fun to do, and we love doing it, and we're going to keep doing it until we can't do it anymore. So, All right, one sentence answers. What's the biggest argument we had? Oh man, it had to be a tiger tiger argument, one hundred percent. I think it probably was like around. 
could have been around his comeback. I mean, actually, when I called his comeback and you said I was full of shit for, for being a total homer, but I think it's the so I have the same answer. It's the one where I was like, so Tiger is Steph Curry, like he's this, he's in the field, like in the faint hope that anything happens. And you were like, yeah. And I was like, I hate that shit. And you were like, I love that shit. And then yeah. Dave was like, I see why I'm here. <laughs> Probably the biggest <laughs> argument. We had an argument over a pod you didn't post, but that wasn't like recorded. No, that was not recorded. We may post it though. It's on the cutting room. Oh, floor. this is no, this is uh, this we is, still have it. This is meltdown pod. Yeah, that was a meltdown pod. You just like didn't didn't post, post it. it. I didn't thought you like deleted it. it. It's it's somewhere on one of the hard drafts, but no, it's it's not on the uh, it's not on the airwaves. But we'll, we'll, maybe we'll post it. Who knows? It's funny. As bad as we sounded in the initial pods, we spent a lot of time editing out like coughs and the like, can opens and stuff. And then we got like better mics, and we're opening like cans like in the mic. And editing <laughs> takes like four <laughs> minutes now. It's great. We don't really edit anymore. I think one no, of the, the biggest stress is like timestamping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Favorite segment? My favorite segment, it's, well, are you saying favorite segment of all time or like my favorite part of the pod? Whatever you think. My favorite part of the pod is, my favorite part of the pod is the breakdown from the week before because I think we we do more time on that. We get to actually talk about the players, what they've done week to week versus what we think they're going to do next week. Um, I'm always amazed at how different our opinions are of why certain players played the way they did. Uh, I don't think either one of us has been right or wrong more than the other, but it's it's fun. Like that the commentating part of this is is my favorite piece. Um, and I just I just love breaking it down because I know when I watch it, or if we're not together, I'm just thinking like, all right, I'm gonna make this point. I think this is why this guy's playing the way he is and Matt's gonna have a totally different take on that and uh, he'll probably be right so. Yeah, it's fun to have a theory like I remember and and I'll I think we've called this back a couple times of like Jason Day like melting down on the 18th hole during the third round at at the PGA Championship last year at at um, Quill Hollow. Ever just watching this on TV and just being like, what the actual fuck is he doing? Like, what is he doing? Like this this makes no sense to any objective viewer of this game or yeah. person who's played this game. And I can't wait to talk about this because I'm curious if there are other people who are watching what I'm watching and thinking good for him for going for it. Right. Like having a having a completely different reaction than the one that yeah. I'm having. And, that, and that's been a fun part to me. I so. think, too, like what's been cool is because we do this every week, we can follow the evolution of players. And I think one of the players that is now no longer uh, on the Hard Up Patrol and is a friend of the pod, Bryson, is a guy that we followed for a long, long time on the pod. Come a long way, baby. But I think for, not for maybe necessarily reasons we did, but a lot of the stuff we called out was was part of the dialogue around that guy and to watch him kind of evolve as a player, to me, to see his success recently, like is very, very cool um, to have been able to kind of, you know, follow that, you know, from, from a position like this. So that was very cool as well. Yeah, I think we're like, and, and we've talked about this, like what is our role, right? As like people who have a podcast and like, we're not experts, but like, <laughs> Definitely we're, we're, we're not like, like we're the By furthest, definition, we're, we're the not furthest thing from it. But the thing I think that we are, you know, somewhat is a collective voice of a general viewing populace. And 
I don't think it's unfair to say that a year ago, a lot of people watched Bryson DeChambeau and they said, I don't like that guy. Right. And now a year later ago, I'm warming up to that kind of like that guy. And yeah. I think that yeah. you and I have been, you know, in, in a lot of ways, kind of a, an exit point for a lot of kind of the common thinking of people who watch golf. Right. And, and we do have like our Tiger Phil kind of opposite thing. But I think like when we talk about someone like Rory McIlroy or Jason Day's kind of, you know, resurgence or who is John Rahm going to be or, or, you know, is Ricky going to get over the hump? I think we do a very good job of kind of speaking to a shared uh, opinion of a lot of people of, look, I watch Ricky Fowler play and I get frustrated because right. I love the guy, but he doesn't win. And it right. bugs me. And I, I think so. I think we do a lot of that. And I, I hope that, you know, I, I enjoy kind of surfacing a lot of those thoughts. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that's probably one of the better things that we do. So, all right. One uh, one more year from now, where are we? That's a fun thing to think about. Uh, if you, you know, you listened to that first podcast a year ago and the delta between that and, and <laughs> I think where we are now is huge. I think, you know, the work, the preparation that, that we do to, to prepare each week for this stuff and, um and also, I think the evolution of like what podcasts are, <laughs> how that's changing, you know, the golf um, media, so to speak. Hopefully, it becomes a more popular, um, you know, popular venue for, for these types of discussions. But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't necessarily want. I don't feel like our success is dictated on on one metric or another. But I'd love to just be keep to keep doing this. Hopefully, maybe in a a proper studio or something like that. But. Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I have no idea what success looks like. I know that this is a, a fun uh, forcing function for us to get together every week. Um, you know, I yeah. don't know. Like, it, it's also fun just like candidly in the in the office and amongst like the friend group to be like, hey, like, yeah, I, that I, for I, me I, I like this segment and like that stuff's fun. Like, it's a good creative outlet. Um, you know, what, what are we doing a year from now? I have no idea. I, I think this is... Um, Hopefully the same thing. I, well, I truly stand by this idea that I think that there... When I think about, like, people that watch golf, I think there are, like, sub-pools within that large pool. And I think you and I are very, like, aligned to this informed slash have, have played the game yeah. slash wear colored shirts when we play... So, you know what I mean? Like, like there, there's a subsection that... Not like, that there's anything wrong. There's a subsection that I'm very, like, With proud to be a part of, which is different from a subsection that I am, like, proud to not be a part of. And I I like our little corner here. Um, so I have, I have no idea. Like, I don't, we don't do this because people listen. Right. We, don't, we don't do it for that purpose. Um, it's it's flattering that, that people do listen. So thank you and, and, like, tell your friends and stuff. But... I don't know, a year from now, like out of no problem with the same amount of listeners and followers and stuff to just come over every Monday, Tuesday and just like bullshit about golf with you. So like nothing better. We'll see. Tell your friends like we love it. Um, Hopefully people like it Uh, in a year from now. Maybe we'll be on Golf Channel. That's right. And, uh, and, you know, they already have a show named Beltran Shot. So we'll just just take the time slot. Shackleford dork. (laughs) Um, or maybe they won't. I don't know. But we'll keep uh, doing this. We'll change the name if they make us. But we used it in commerce first. I called a lawyer. We used it in commerce <laughs> first. And I can prove that in court. So uh, we'll be here. We're not going anywhere. This is fun. Like this is, a, this is a fun way for us to kind of stay involved. And uh, we love it. And it's a, like we said, a creative outlet. So we'll, we'll be here. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. We love it. So the one year Megapod is in the books. And one year is in the books, Matt. One year of alternate shots. 
It's That's been wild. quite the ride. One, quite one, the ride. one year ago, we were not talking about Brooks Kepka. <laughs> we were not, indeed. We didn't, like, know Dave. I didn't know Dave. I never met Dave. We have a team of guys. You didn't live in this apartment. Many, uh, it was a long time ago, but here we are. New friends of the pod. We got all kinds of famous people talking to us on social media. It's been, uh, it's been quite the run. Of course, we do have the U.S. Open this week. One of the biggest stages in all of golf. We're going to have a full breakdown for you next week. All of the ins, the outs, the what have yous. And we'll be back on our regular time frame of around an hour for the pod next week. What do you think? I think we'll keep it under 90 minutes. That'll be a good goal for our loyal listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back next week, next Monday. Uh, it's got to be Monday because I'm off to Russia Tuesday morning. So we'll do that. Monday night, U.S. Open recap pod for the Alternate Shot podcast. I am Matt. I am Mike. We'll see you guys next week.